Ahoy there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Man. Hey, thanks for checking out this special bonus UK episode of the Attitude Podcast. It is indeed time for some one night only. I wanted to say a big shout out and a thank you to all our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. Wherever you may find yourself during this trying time, I'm sure we can all do with some audio goodies for our ears. A lot of people have joined us then for the Smackdown Crawl, over 55 episodes therein. And of course, the video episodes, the commentary tracks, the Q&As and the book reports, all of this and much more available. A variety of rewards to suit a variety of needs during the pandemic at patreon.com forward slash a podcast. I just wanted to say, look, I know this is a hard time for a lot of people. And a number of folks are finding themselves in financially difficult times. I just wanted to say anyone who's been able to support us during this time and stick by us, we really appreciate it. And if you're not able to support us during this time, we totally understand. It is a tough time, guys. Let's just focus now on having a little bit of fun and some good times in Birmingham, England, as we present to you one of the harshest ending pay-per-views of all time. It's one night only. Attitude Era podcast. Bono, One Night, Own Low, UK, pay-per-view, return extravaganza, 1997 U2 edition. Oh no. Hey baby, it's back in the UK for One Night Only, even though I will be here for 10 years this coming summer. (laughs) Hello once again, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin, saddling up for the UK only pay-per-view once again with Adam Bibolo. Hey. Hey, Adam. How are you? Representing the whole country of England and UK today. Yeah, I'm good. I got the extra buff going because I've got the hometown advantage here. Like, right? Yeah, feeling good. This is my territory, Kevin. Uh-oh. Feel the buffed up uh, colonial mishaps. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> immediately brought it back down. We just, we just evened them out there a little bit is what's happened. I mean, I never lived in Birmingham. I've got relatives in Birmingham. Oh, but yeah. Birmingham is the Midlands and I am obviously a Midlands boy through and through right here. I mean, I I, I've been to Birmingham once when mm-hmm. I went to the NEC for a cat show and also I had a boss who was from Birmingham and one time he's like I was a little bit wild when I was younger one time I drove my mini right up to the Birmingham NEC and I was like mate you don't get much more brummy than that Ooh. We've got no culture in the Midlands. <laughs> I, I was going to say, if, if he drew up up in Brum, that would have been the most oh, okay, yeah. thing of all. That's the most Midland culture we have is Brum, I think. So you're, you're saying this is a Midlander now, because we're not in the Midlands right now. We're in the Northwest. I'm saying as a Midlander, I didn't know about the North-South divide till I was like 18 in college. <laughs> like legit. Like we, we just have like this sort of neutral beige culture in our territory. So the like... Midlands catchphrase, feeling fine. <laughs> <laughs> So Adam, UK pay-per-views. Yeah. It's very interesting. This like way, way back in the day, the UK pay-per-views were just kind of like a little side venture for, for you and I just to kind of get a little bit more content out there. Mm. And then they kind of became their own like little special Adam and Kevin kind of side series. Yeah. And of course, obviously, we're doing a lot of stuff on Patreon with Smackdown Crawl and various other bits and bobs. How does it feel to come back? to the UK shows for one night only. Exciting, because this is the first ever one. This is where it all began, the first ever UK pay-per-view. Where it all begins again. again. 
but also extremely nervous and terrified and anxious because I know this is a very dark-sided pay-per-view we've got here. There was a few storm clouds that were on the horizon in like the fact that when we started season four and we told folks and we were, you know, hey, yeah, let us know your thoughts on what, what's going to be coming up because we ain't seen this many before. Mm-hmm. Unlike any other season of this show, there's no prior real knowledge here. And a lot of people we mentioned, obviously, in the Grand Zero episode were saying, oh, gang wars, lads. It's going to get a bad taste in the yeah. mouth. And obvious stuff with, like, Sean and Brett and Vince using their personal stuff against each other and how kind of unethical that is. But another one that was coming from the UK fans only was this show, and particularly the portrayal of the British Bulldog. Mm-hmm. And not since season one of the Attitude Era podcast has the British Bulldog been portrayed, allegedly, in a more horrifying light. <laughs> and this is, like, very much one of these scars that seems like it's never healed and we are Mm. what we are 23 years after the fact we put the call out on socials just to kind of pick at the scab so Mm -hmm. to speak red raw still adam yeah it's very much like we just sort of quietly went on social media like hey does anyone remember one night only and it's horrible it's it's like this is the dark-sided one. Like, usually the UK pay-per-views vary between being incredibly wacky to incredibly inconsequential. Yes, and the, the level of effort on both ends of those. Like, you can have a very inconsequential show with a lot of effort and some really good matches. Mm-hmm. Or you can have a very wacky show where the effort is, like, completely low and vice versa as well, you yeah. know. We've had quite a mixed bag of these because I think we've had some of the most exhilarating moments and also some of the daftest and also most boring moments in yes. the history of this podcast. Absolutely. You never these. know what you're going to get from a UK pay-per-view. That's proper sure. lucky dip bag, isn't it? It is. It, like? it it's really Vince is. Vince McMahon on a rocket and you've given him your pounds. What's inside? Oh, man. Now there's a memory. Hey, pal. Fucking heck. What was it? A turtle on a rocket? It's a big turtle. Uh, yeah. like a Gorka Morka off-cast, like, you know? <laughs> get out of here on your rocket, like... So, this was a big scratch of nostalgia because even though I wasn't watching wrestling at this point in time, I was a Sky customer. So, mm. the... Sky box office. This is a Sky presentation. This is a presentation on Sky in the late 90s, so everything is gold. <laughs> Now, this pay-per-view had a deep sense of nostalgia. Like, mm. just because of the presentation was very, very UK. Like, like a lot of this felt like it was in the hands of the UK production people. Yes. And Sky Box Office were doing cameras, graphics, who knows what. Mm-hmm. I mean, did it look as good as a usual UK offering? Um, yeah, but that's not saying much. Mm. It's better than Mayhem in Manchester, that's for sure. Like, that's mm. <laughs> that's the benchmark for, like, dirt worst show we've ever covered, yeah. I think, in terms of visuals. And like, actual production quality, Yes. Yeah. I will say, straight away here, I was, like, already sneering at this, because the Sky Box Office logo is a big... It's the Sky logo, and it's, like, 3D, and it's, like, a big, massive model of it with spotlights <laughs> going on it. It's like... <laughs> Pretty original idea you got there, Sky. And then you point out to me that they are all Murdoch Enterprises, really. So yeah, it's fair game. Like. How many times does Rupert Murdoch wake up in the middle of the night and like, those bastards just, oh, wait, no, I own everything. That's mine. That's mine as well. Oh, like. sorry, I own everything. It's all mine. <laughs> so we are in the UK with the hottest crowd in the world. And there's a reason this crowd is very, very hot. This show, which comes in between Ground Zero and Bad Blood. Bad Blood, obviously, very important and very pivotal show, both for 
you know, actual storyline and not storyline real life reasons. Mm-hmm. Ground Zero on the more inconsequential side of things, one I only not really getting hyped up or kind of mentioned that much at all, other than a few lines mostly from the Heart Foundation and promos. Yeah. So why is this a, an immediate sellout, which had a huge buy rate on Sky Box Office and had was the town was fucking talking about this? Well, this was the first ever pay-per-view in the UK for anything other than a boxing match. Like, up until now, pay-per-view is exclusively boxing in the UK. Yeah. So the idea of there being something else on pay-per-view is already a massive novelty in itself. But then you factor into the fact this is like the first pay-per-view to come from the UK since Wembley in 92, I believe, with SummerSlam. Yeah, fuck. They've not done any live pay-per-views here in the UK since then for five years. So I'm like, assuming we have had like house shows. Yeah, or I'm pretty sure they toured. Yeah. yeah. But there's been no big live shows where it's like, this is a major event. It's going to be taped. You can watch it back later on. Like. And of course, back in the way olden times, you know, the early 90s, you used to get, and the late 80s, you used to get bits of what they call the American wrestling clipped up and put together on World of Sport. Mm. And that would be shown on ITV. That was some very early memories of me for wrestling. Like I mentioned seeing like The Undertaker and like Body Bags and you know, Ultimate Warrior and Macho mm. Man. Just in those little bits. But the difference now is, unlike just getting little bits here and there, and you know, I think things like Power Slam magazine and stuff are very important for the UK to kind of develop its own mm. base. And there was, of course, you know, even though World of Sport had gone, there was still lots of action on the indies. There were the, the summer camp shows and all that. But Raw is broadcasting on Sky. Yes. And like Sky changed TV forever in the world, you know, and in the UK particularly. Satellite TV, cable TV, people being able to watch Raw week to week now. We're at a whole new level of fandom, I think, mm-hmm. than before. And Davey Boy's been doing the rounds as well, Adam. Yes, apparently he was hitting up all of the local media stuff. I couldn't find any actual clips from TV or radio, but he was all over the British airwaves, apparently, in the week leading up to this. Was he giving away any free small burgers? That or? was Yeah, that was a different Davey Boy, I'm afraid. That was a few years prior. He had no free burgers for us this time, but he was a very sincere, genuine Davey Boy, apparently, on the radio, talking about how excited he was for this match how his sister's been battling bone cancer recently and he's dedicating his upcoming big match at the big event to her. And of course, the big match, the main event, which has been pointed out, I think even as far back as Grand Zero, it was going to be Bulldog defending his European Championship against Shawn Michaels. The European yes. title hasn't really had much other than its kind of inception at that, you know, that was the very first set of Raws we watched was the ones from Germany where yes. the European title was on the line for the first time. So I think it is to their advantage that Davy Boy is able to come with this shiny new belt as the hometown boy and say, this means fucking everything. Yep. And I think a lot of people might look back in this paper and go, ah, it was just a European title. But at the time, the European the title time. wasn't what you think it is now. Absolutely. You know, it was just something new. It was the new championship. Mm-hmm. And this was headlining this show, which is a huge deal. I think I want to spend a little time before we get into the main show to talk a little bit about... The British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, who we now know is going into the Hall of Fame. You know, I don't know a lot of people have got various opinions on the Hall of Fame. I think most people could agree it's, it's a little bit late for, for Davy Boy to finally be going yeah. in. But the Davy Boy we saw in Season 1 and the Davy Boy we saw in the SmackDown Crawl, we've talked about this a fair bit in the SmackDown Crawl, about kind of how we weren't ready for 1997 British Bulldog. No. Who, by all accounts in my mind, from reading Brett's book and just reading about, well, he got injured and you know, he's had that fucking knee brace and he's had a lot of problems with steroids and just, you know, dying of my kid is in all that as well. You know, he's, he's got real bad problems. So I was expecting 97 Davy Boy to be kind of functional but basically be a bit of a liability. Kind of like a Jim Neidhart. Maybe a tough watch for us. Like. Yeah, as in like, here's someone who still looks the part, fits in and can go by a notice, but is clearly struggling. Like like a Perry Saturn type of a thing where yeah. it's like, my God, this guy's managing to 
to go through this, even though he's clearly a bit fucked up at the moment. Mm. But Bulldog in 97 has blown me away for the most part. Watching all the Raws, he has been one of the most consistently excellent wrestlers we have on the roster at the minute. And I think that says a lot about how low and how grim the Bulldog in 99 and 2000 was. And that was really tough to watch. This makes this Bulldog, which apparently, according to Brett, is still a troubled and, like, going through tough times, Davey. He's still incredible in 97. And I imagine mm. if I go back to, like, 92 and look at that Bulldog, I'm going to be even more blown away by how in shape and how great he is. Well, like, doing the Bret Hart episode for, for How to Wrestling recently, I did a lot of watching back of the old kind of stampede and the early kind of run of the Calgary guys in mm. WWF in, like, the 83 and 84 and whatnot. And, like, going back then and just seeing this, like, guy who has, like, unlimited potential, which, in terms of, like, in-ring, he did reach it i think 1992 and SummerSlam is the one that obviously this is built off the back of this yes. pay-per-view i mean i get chills just seeing that crowd in wembley it is an unfeasibly massive crowd it is it's gigantic like i just wanted to know for you because for me as a kid you know <laughs> english icons didn't go down particularly well huh in uh in ireland it may huh. have you believe and i would just say with in terms of like season one of the itr podcast there's a lot of reflecting i think going on with currently like kind of with season four being a preceding of it yeah and i will tell you right now in season one the attitude podcast because it was looking back at all the stuff i remember from a kid there was zero respect for the british bulldog for me or mm -hmm. any of my friends or anyone i knew he was as far as we were concerned a symbol of the hated british who was a piece of shit was run down and couldn't wrestle and i think you got a lot of the backsplash of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't call it back it's it's nasty so it's got splash okay it's got splash area of effect damage mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that was coming out in season one. But I, I've never asked you this. You know, growing up as a kid in England or whatever, on the playground, even if there was only a general sense of wrestling, was the Bulldog like one of those kind of like Hulk Hogan-like figures that kids were like, yeah, the British Bulldog, he's the best? Nah, not for my generation. No? Maybe a few years earlier that would have been the case. But obviously the me growing up the only bulldog we got to see was 99 2000 bulldog mean street posse bulldog because you like, grew up you were born in 92 weren't you i was born in 91, 91 like, so, so i was definitely not watching bulldog in that period and i, I didn't watch in 97 so i didn't see this bulldog interesting because i think some of our older fans had kind of gotten in touch to say that like if you were someone who was like you know maybe nine or ten in 92 that when it came around to 97 then when you were hitting kind of like later teen years mm -hmm. and very rarely you have something from your childhood that carries through into those teen years and has a bit of an edge to it yeah so i think there was this follow-through of like a deep emotional connection a lot of the people who were at this show i think were at the wembley show yeah you know we've heard of people who've been to both so have you seen the match from wembley Yes, I watched it in preparation of the How To Brett episode that I did there. with How To yeah, Wrestling yeah. with you guys. And yeah, it's just the atmosphere of that match is absolutely ridiculous. It is fucking unreal seeing that kind of like... I, I know this is maybe a, a false equivalence, but the only parallel I can draw is like Chicago and CM Punk with the money in yeah. the bank. Like literally the arena, the whole massive crowd is behind this one They're hero. They're a character almost in this Yeah, it's mythical levels. Like it's so weird. And it's so funny because a lot of the times when you have something like that that's from the early 90s, there is a tendency to be like... Oh, yeah, I remember that. And it's kind of, you remember this giant arena and all that. Like, I remember going mm -hmm. back and watching WrestleMania 17. And even though, yeah, 70,000 people, it's huge. It's not quite as like WrestleMania 3 levels of massive as, as you might remember as it. As you might remember it. Yeah. Wembley seems to get bigger every time I see it. Yeah, it's abs actually absurd how large that crowd is. And you think about 1992 is not when WWF is necessarily at peak 
in performance in terms of an international high-end production. No. We've not went back to WrestleMania or SummerSlam or anything like that for mm-hmm. the UK. I mean, there's rumors of it for 2022. Really? But I think it's always interesting to know that WWE was, has not went back and pulled the trigger on doing no. a big event like that for many, many reasons. Many conspiracy theorists believe that they forever poisoned the well of British wrestling with what happened here tonight in Birmingham. Oh, God. So I think when we're looking through this pay-per-view, I want to bear in mind kind of the Bulldog standing now as opposed to maybe when we first were introduced to him. And mm. also kind of maybe... If there isn't a case of people making a bigger deal out of this, like how disrespectful could a wrestling show be, surely? You know, and yeah. WWE's making its bread and butter now by, you know, setting its roots deep into the UK indie scene. For better or for worse, most people will say for worse. The UK is important to WWE. It is. Have they fucked it from far back as 1997, Adam? Yeah. Well, maybe we are making too much of a big deal about this. Maybe it's not all about the Bulldog. Let's see. Uh, how do we open this show, Kevin? As a lad growing up in Manchester, England, David Smith dreamed of making his family, friends, and countrymen proud. The road to that dream led to the birth of the British Bulldog. Carrying the pride of his country, the Bulldog became an international superstar. In his first homecoming, 80,000 fans at Wembley Stadium shared the realization of a dream. Davy Boy's legend grew when last May in Berlin, Germany, he became the first ever European champion. But despite worldwide popularity, the British Bulldog has been branded a rogue by America. Tonight, Davy Boy is home again for one night only to defend a title, a country, and a young boy's dreams. We open with a montage of Davy Boy in Wembley, 1997. Jim Ross calls him the home country hero. It's like fucking black and white footage, piano music. Like, not to sound disrespectful, but this genuinely is like a tribute package for his death. Like, when we were like a minute into this, and you know, we watched this early in the morning on a miserable yep. fucking February day. Like this, we had was... proper British mentality. It was raining outside, and we had just like... spent around an hour talking about how everyone hates this, just to kind of get the <laughs> ground, get the groundwork going. And then I turned to you within a minute. I wrote down exactly what I said to you here, which I said, "This is dramatic pause, magical, because mm. it fucking was." Yeah. It was so magical. It made me feel like feelings for the British Bulldog that I thought as an Irishman, I am not privy to. (laughs) It was genuinely moving. It was so, I mean this really seriously, so sincere, so reverent to Davy and his status. And this is also, this man we've been seeing is basically a heel on TV with the Hart family and Owen Hart like cackling together. And they they put over the European Championship as mm -hmm. well. They're like in, in Berlin, he wrestled this amazing tournament. You know, to become the first European Championship, and he's coming home now, the pride of the country. Yeah. And I like how they put the spin. Yeah, the fact that he's been heel, but Jr. puts the spin on it here, where he says, even though in the United States he has been branded a rogue by his oh. association with the Hart Foundation, which is like the most romantic way to explain that someone is a heel ever. A rogue. A rogue. He's a rogue class. I mean, if this was the D and D campaign, I did consult this with mm. Joe and some of the people from the Subculture podcast, who are all D and D freaks, 
And uh, I mean that word endearingly. Of course. And a freak is not a class in D&D. I've tried. <laughs> uh, but they point out to me that Bulldog would not be a rogue. The rogue would most likely be Paleman due to the unpredictable antics and, That's bu- good. and buffs. That's good. Uh, Brett, of course, Paladin. Yes, just honourable, straight up. You know, some knight's armour this is, you know. <laughs> uh, then we have Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Warrior class, obviously. Yeah. He's your tank. He's a you know, High risk, high reward. Is there a jester class in d d No, but I would say Own is a bard because... Bard close enough. Own's pranks give a general buff to kind of keep the whole gang going. That's like, true, yeah, know, like a bard would. You know, and I think that Bob Holly would be a bard as well because you keep me sane <laughs> on the road, Bob. And of course, that brings us to the British Bulldog who is not really a rogue. Sorry, Jim Ross, you don't know your D&D. Mm. Uh, that's just the way it is. Pointed out to me that he would be a monk class. Monk? A monk class because monks in D&D refers to a character class uh, that, and this is second-hand knowledge as well, so forgive me, but apparently it's a character class that dedicates itself to either mental or physical perfection. Okay. Physical perfection. Bodybuilding That's right the there. bulldog through and through yeah, right there. Legit. Y- you just got yourself a Heart Foundation D&D campaign, folks. You're welcome. And I'm the Dungeon Master. Oh, <laughs> 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 nope, I rolled a 20, Hitman. Sorry. <laughs> Triple H gets a potion of healing. <laughs> the, literally the worst thing that's happened to me is finding out I can do that voice. Yeah, I'm worried that you're going to spend yourself too soon uh, here, Kevin. And we're not going to be able to finish this episode. Like, come on. I need two cups of coffee this morning. Huh? <laughs> Jim Ross. The British Bulldog has returned home to defend a title, a country, and a boyhood dream. He's defending a boyhood dream. Mate, 1997 Shawn Michaels eats those for breakfast. Oh. It's one of the reasons why he had so much tumultuous time. He kept coming backstage and causing a fit. Where are my boyhood dreams? <laughs> you know? Do they talk about anything else apart from Davey in this opening pack? It is 100% Bulldog, isn't it? And they don't even really talk about Michaels at all. No. Or the fact that it's a challenge to him. Mm-hmm. Or what a threat Michaels is. This is a showcase for a bulldog that is leading you to believe that all this will be tonight is the bulldog fulfilling this prophecy. Yes. WWE has always had a problem with the obvious setup and then following through on that. Mm-hmm. This is something that has been attributed wrongly, I think, to various writers over the years. Like, Russo's the guy that if he thought that the smart marks had figured it out, brother, that he was going to do a swerve mm. just to get you. And then I think to, like, 2008 or nine when, like, Christian was coming back and someone had been attacking Jeff Hardy mysteriously in his feud with Edge, and then you decide to make it Matt Hardy and ECW gets Christian. You know, shit like yeah, that. Just for the sake of it. Just for the sake of you, of you thinking that you've got a one over on me. Like, yeah. imagine if you went to a fucking magic show the magician's like uh oh we think he's figured this out so I'm just going to throw all the cards on the floor yep. instead go, magic <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> it's not the same thing no Vince McMahon is very jazzed up Whoa! Welcome to Birmingham! <laughs> and episode one ends. Vince McMahon picks up the orb on Naboo. I don't know. Was he just so fucking amped up for like he needed to get out some adrenaline, otherwise he was gonna be rattling all night. Vince McMahon is suspicious that his colleagues have not got the requisite energy for this. 
and therefore he's dialed it up to 11. Yeah. This is like me halfway through the Brawl for All episode with you and Billy. Like, Come on, lads. Woo! Come on. Hey, now. Uh, Round seven. Come on. Whoa! Bradshaw and the Godfather. Here we go, baby. <laughs> so, yeah, Vince McMahon is all jazzed up. But I'll tell you what, Vince. You don't need to, because I'll say it once again, 1997, give me an album of all these pay-per-view themes. Yeah. Every single one has been a banger. They're all fucking cracking, mate. Like, you want to know what it's like being a full-time podcaster? One of the main things of it is I've jettisoned pretty much all music from my life. Mm. I've often said to you, I don't have time for it. Yeah, I know. I still don't think this is necessary, but you've insisted on this. So mostly now I listen to, like, jazz or or classical music rearrangements of Donkey Kong soundtracks and Mm -hmm. Shenmue town music. That's all you've got time? for so if i can add in 97 you know with a little bit of dark guitar and the the jim johnson just fucking doing his thing at peak jim johnson creativity i want that are you saying you need a lo-fi version of this or are you happy just to listen to it as is like i don't know like binaural beats to walk out to the ring too and he kind of moves like dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> jim johnson doing his homework on the screen while you're listening to the stream all day i like... just want to hear flash funk's music with heavy rain over the top of it what's wrong with that like <laughs> The audio tonight, despite our excellent music, is J-A-N-K-Y Junkie. Yeah, this is bad. This is fucking Janky Kong right here. This is the one that didn't make the DK crew. It's so fucking bad. Not Mayhem in Manchester like RF Video have shot this back in, you know, with the street team from 95 with the the handheld cameras. Mm. It's more like someone has actually made a proper production with his bad quality old equipment. It's like the audio jack's gone a little bit funny, so they've wrapped tinfoil around it to make it fit in better. And it's like, yeah, it works, but there's definitely some crackling going on there. There are several points in the match. It's like, there are several points throughout this pay-per-view where you turned to me while we were watching it and you were like, what was that? And I was like, no, that was on the telly. You were like, what? Because someone will do a move and it'll be like... <laughs> Just noises. Just like the audio is all over the shop. What is this, a podcast from 2014? Like, come no. on. Get a pop shield on this pay-per-view for fuck's sake. It's ridiculous. Hey, at least we never use a rock band mic, which is what I'm pretty sure they're recording this through tonight. No, I know lapel mics being held when I hear them, Adam. Lapel mics. Some... Like Tim and Eric just holding it with your, your two fingers. Like... Yeah, it's like, welcome to... This is like Ring of Honor back in, you know, 2009 or 10 with Cornette there, like, with the terrible productions. Like, hey, why don't we rebrand, have some someone take over and then give them no money like welcome to ring of honor best in the world can someone get the lights oh sky have got all the you know, they've got access to arenas yes they've got access to you know ring mats and all i mean there's a U- they, i know the uk they have like they back in the day from the 90s onwards they had like a their own little warehouse here they had you know, a couple yeah. of rings a couple of bits and bobs they had uk people who were like liaisons but it feels like Sky have kind of went to them. Now you're not getting the A treatment. You're getting the kind of the old cameras, the the, the bad sound tech guys, the cameramen yeah. who are going to get in the fucking way constantly tonight. Do you think that's Sky providing all of the equipment like that? Then? I would imagine like... things like cameras, headsets, the, the feeds and the trucks and all that. Mm. I couldn't imagine Vince taking that over abroad. This feels like it's a Sky production. Because yeah. they do say at the start, this is a Sky box office. Oh, I say it's a presentation, I guess, not yeah. a production. But... I-, I just assumed that Vince, like you say, he's got his little warehouse where they keep like a few spare rings and that one blue cage or what have you. I figured that it was like an outside hire and they just hired a crew for this show entirely. And that's why the camera guys clearly aren't used to filming wrestling. Like maybe it was Sky that provided them, but either way, this is not the WWF A team filming this. A couple of things that really take you 
like by storm at the start other than the kind of the janky audio which is very very obvious i would say jim ross has got the best microphone king's got the worst microphone yeah like there's noticeable discrepancies in quality here the other thing which immediately took me by surprise was the ring announcer who immediately was like not the usual timber and cadence that we've associated with wwf shows in 1997 Mm -hmm. this is karsten schaefer who has got kind of all the presence here of like a cartoon mouse who's announcing like the king of mice he's he's a long tenured employee here it's just that this happened a few times in 97 where they've went outside i think they did it in berlin as well they used karsten and they just got someone who's like right karsten is here because he grew up in the uk so Mm -hmm. he's in the uk wrestling scene he's connections he speaks fluent German. He did all the WWF commentary for Germany. He even translated the magazine. He did all the DVDs. He was their German guy up until like a year or two ago. He had like a heart attack before yeah. Money in the Bank, I believe. So like, it's obvious here he's one of these guys, like a lot of the people at the time, like Tony Chimmel, we find out recently, like he put together 90% of the rings that you saw. Yeah. You know, it's shit like this. Serious workhorse. Yeah, like. so uh, again, I think I don't think it's fair to think just because this guy's not the best ring announcer that it's an out-and-out burial because he's not a ring announcer. He's a Harvey Whippleman, Brooklyn Brawler, a thousand jobs without which... The, like If Carson Shaver's not there, I'm pretty much guaranteed the show wouldn't have probably worked because mm. he probably did shitloads for them. One guy did all of German language for like fucking 30 years? Yeah, it's impressive. So with that massive disclaimer out of the way with, can we now get on with burying him? <laughs> okay, yeah, please. It really, I know you said cartoon mouse, but to me it just felt like, oh, your headmaster's doing a school fate or something. He has to announce the tombola. And like. here to announce the winner of the tombola... Der Honky Tonk Man! That's it. It's that slightly Nigel McGuinness-esque kind of yeah. eh, kind of noise. It's like, on the way to the ring now, Hunter Hearst Helmsley! I love when people don't have the, the big quality that you need. You need that bass. Like, you need the big, grandiose yeah. kind of and like, quality. Even when Lillian Garcia was like, first started and she was quite ropey at it she still had the default like she had a big voice mm-hmm. one that could conceivably fill an arena yeah she put a growl into it yeah like. Like you can tell but here it's like you're, you're st- it's like when Todd Grisham once went I forget if someone like was sick like like uh, Lillian was, was away mm. and they had Todd Grisham do the ring announcing one right. night on Raw and Todd Grisham has got a small little voice like it's time for the main event yeah you know like him doing a big voice is like a part of his shtick, if anything. It's not, <laughs> it's not, so, it's like getting Todd Pettengale to go out there and do yes. ring announcing. And like when someone tries to make a big voice, like, I never forget that episode of Rod, Todd Gresham was like, he's Triple H. Oh, <laughs> bless it. Like people are like walking out to the ring going, nah, I'm not going out to the ring, that's how you're announcing me. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck that. So it does take away from the presentation here tonight. Yes. Crowds are fucking 90. Yes. Which is Irish for saying they're very good. Yeah, no, they are rabid. Like, they are into this. And we have the men up at the top of the ramp as well who are there all night now. Special beef men, so they are. Yes. And I think it's very good because a lot of children won't eat beef these days. So this is any way to encourage the eating of beef. Are you concerned about children not eating enough beef? Like me and and celebrity chef Marco Pierre White? We need to we need to nip this in the bud. It's bad for the environment, and children aren't eating enough of it. Like, what are we? <laughs> we need recipes. We gotta stuff them with beef quick. I just want to sit down with these beef eaters and say, "What's the secret, guys? How do you do it? How do you put it all away? Like, what is this? Or uh, are these a beef eater? Yeah, I don't know. 
Um, oh, for fuck's sake! You're meant to tell me this. I don't. Gi- I don't give a fuck. Like this is literally like the sword in the stone story all over again. It's like, yeah, it's part of our culture. Can they fuse with the royal guards to like make like a four-armed kind of? I mean, they're like warrior. A, they're like a form of the royal guard, are they not? That's what I thought. I mean, I know they're a jinn, but I don't think that counts. Okay. I know not a jinn with a DJIN. I'm just talking about the, the drink. All right. Okay. I got the Wikipedia here for gotcha. these Yeah. Beefeater is a chain of over 140 pub restaurants in the United Kingdom owned by Whitbread. No, that's, that's not Can it. you get beef in those? Maybe. What I like to do is mark down all the hot spots in my local town or area where I can get ready access to beef. Like. Okay, Beefeaters are actually called Yeoman Warders. The Yeoman Warders of Her Majesty's Royal Palace and Fortress, the Tower of London, and members of the Sovereign's Bodyguard of the Yeoman Guard Extraordinary, popularly known as the Beefeaters, are ceremonial guardians of the Tower of London. Okay. And so the, they guard the Tower of London. The they, Tower of London. They guard the, the, the crown jewels. Ah, they, they, they guard the crown and the jewels. So, I think if we go with the Royal Guard, the guys with the big tall hats, yeah. if we say they're stormtroopers, right. these lads, like, do you remember Palpatine had those red guys that would follow him around, like the really exclusive elite guards, like, that's what these lads are here. I am the Sith. Way I love quoting the the new the new Star Wars. Don't we all enjoy that, huh? We all love we Rise all love... of the Skywalker. No, you're meant to say it. I'm all the Jedi. Oh my god. <laughs> I think it'll enter some of the pantheons of the great threequels, like Spider-Man yeah. Three and uh, the other third Star Wars movie. That's silly. Revenge of the Sith. That's the one. That's the real classic, right there. So we have these two beef eaters. One of which is. A very hairy man indeed. He would not be a beef eater. Liz would not have him guarding jack shit, mate. He looks scary. I will just say, as a hairy man, and I'm currently, I've got my winter coat on at the moment. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm kind of peak hairiness. You want yeah. to see me at, like, my peak least hairy? It's usually just before the podcast festival. Yeah. Where I kind of, you know, lose some of the fluff for the summer months. And if you have this level of hair, and I think I'm an equivalent hair level to the hairy beef eater here. It does actually get act as a deterrent to the eating of beef. For fuck's sake. Like, it will get in the way, like, you know? You know, there's easier things to eat than beef when you've got, like, you know, a very chewy beard on your face. So yeah. That's not mince words here. Yeah. Or, I mean, let's mince the beef, maybe. Okay. Be- oh, my God. Kids don't have beards, so you can't put it down to that, at least, all right? Can we just leave that for another day? <laughs> Do you think the Where's the Beef Lady was just, like, a subtle, like, advertising campaign? Like, kind of, come on, we got to get the kids, you know, looking for the beef. Fill them with beef. Starting things off. We just came to our first match. <laughs> we had to talk about the history of the British Bulldog and the beef and industry. And the British beef. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have a pop of beef later on. They I do. Want... They actually do. Like... And I figured we need to have some groundwork for both the pay-per-view and the beef just before we all start slashing willy-nilly, you know, <sighs> hack and slash here, you know. Right, starting things off. These are the two people who I would most trust to give me a fun opener yeah. in a like pay-per-view setting that's an exclusivity. Like, So this is going to be fun and not something you're necessarily going to see on Raw or in your house, but this is perfect for the, the big international show. Mm-hmm. Dude Love and Triple H, fucking A, these two make beautiful magic together every Legit. time they're in the ring. Triple H coming out with China, huge, huge, huge heat. An amazing role by Triple H as well. Oh yeah, he looks fucking fabulous. Still going full on with the 
aristocratic gimmick. Yeah, I thought maybe Ode to Joy would maybe soften up the UK crowd a little bit. Like, oh, let's let's show a little respect for this guy. Uh, members no, of the no. European Union at the time. Like. Back in the yeah, back in the good old days when we believed in Europe. Like, I mean, you'll get heat again with this anthem if you want to try that. And again, you can try uh, it now. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I what I think is interesting is this point in time. We'll talk more about it later. You know. At Grand Zero, I remember I had them in all of my notes saying, don't talk too much about DX because they're not formed yet. And then mm. about Bud is like, they're still technically not formed when yet. When are they going to get here? But they're buddies. And they've been buddy buddies on TV quite a lot now. Yes. To the point that it was a genuine shock that Rick Rude was not coming out with Triple H here. Yeah, legit. It's weird. It's like Shawn Michaels is the one that has all the buddies. But individually, when you see Triple H, it's like, no, he's just Triple H in China. That's their own thing. I like, really thought the whole gimmick... I mean, I love when they use like kayfabe money to explain stuff and mm. I thought the idea was that Triple H and Michaels are buddies and Triple H with his infinite wealth is giving Sean the means to hire a ravishing Rick Rude he's bankrolling the situation because right? every time Rick Rude gets involved Jim Ross and Vince are like how much did he pay him like yeah. he, he's doing so much interfering it's mm-hmm. like like the APA you do have the tiered system like exactly almost. yeah I'll interfere once for 10 grand 25 grand will get you three interference spots like I'm gonna negotiate from there well but... they're going for the no glove special deal like which means that they're paying the top end there Adam is what that <laughs> is basically so yeah there's no kind of mention of that really at all here no. but some little bits I love like on Raw where they have you know them laying out someone and then they have Shawn Michaels would do the Shawn Michaels pose you know the kind of when he goes in the ring with the fireworks yeah. and then China does her arm folded pose and Triple H does the pirouette behind yes. them and it's like whoa they're they're they're, I mean, that's something they've workshopped. Yeah, they all press taunt at exactly the same time. Like. And, you know, and people are syncing up their taunts. You know, Michaels and Diesel did that as well. Mm. You know, there's a lot of times when people, you know, Diesel and Ramon did that as well. Like, anytime you're doing that, it means that you're obviously thinking this is going to be what it's going to be. Yes. And we don't know what this is going to be yet. No, we still don't know. It'd be bad for Brett right now, isn't it? Because he's like, something's happening here. Like, a major heel faction is forming. But we keep not naming it. Yeah, legit. And I'm part of the major heel faction right now. Can someone tell me what's going on, please? Like, imagine if you, in nothing that you wanted less in the world than a surprise party for your birthday. And Mm -hmm. the week of your birthday, there's, like, people walking around with cakes and candles and balloons. But don't worry, it's not... No, it's not that. Don't worry. It's just in your face all the time. Yeah. Like, Brett talks about so much around this time that he thinks that he has crossed a point of no return with the fans in terms of heel work. Yes. And I think that's uh, something worth bearing in mind as we're heading in here now, as these guys are making waves with the Not DX faction and getting all the heat in the world. And I said to you right at the start of this, hey, no Jerry Lawler tonight. Thank fuck for the old areas. <laughs> He's right there. No, Jerry's just on a slightly worse microphone and didn't speak for a first few moments. Got my hopes up, you son of a bitch. Triple H, even though he's in England, does not have his triple, triple H buff. No, 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 that'll come later on. He's still Hunterhurst Helmsley here. Triple H makes a grand entrance and then we cut backstage. Dude Love, standing by what appears to be a duvet cover. Uh-oh, Mick Foley, England. Promo. Oh, baby, have mercy. I do say, Hunter, my dear chap, I fear that you and I are in for a bit of a road tonight, and maybe after the match, China and I can do a little bit of grooving. Oh, I do say it will be jolly good fun. I know, I know, I'm missing two teeth. Actually, they're gone, but I don't miss them. Ho, 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 jolly good fun. <laughs> Little take off there on Austin Powers, no doubt. Oh no. No, 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 Mick, don't do it, Mick. No, no, no. Oh god, he's doing it. My reaction to this was, I'm sorry too, Mick. Yeah. He's just knackered. It's excruciating. Hello, mate. I'm here in the UK. It's me, 
dude love. Oh, no. Mm. What other things from England can I think of? Mighty? Mm. Austin Powers? No. Come on, lads. We went five minutes into this pay-per-view without fucking resorting to Austin Powers, like. And if anyone should be quoting Austin Powers here tonight, it should be the person who shares the name. I'm talking about Stoke old Steve Austin Powers. Goddamn, son. That is very... (laughs) Shake a delic. If I ain't got my mojo in me, I ain't worth the damn. Well, hell, son, it's like it was. I you know, took my mojo and I went home, man. It, it was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> this was an excruciating promo. Dude, even by Foley standards, looks fucking seven days deep into a rind of not showering. Like, yeah. would you give a wash behind them ears, Mick? Jesus. The state of him. And uh, Jerry Lawler is here for you tonight, Adam, and the people of the United Kingdom with a whole bevy of his special English material. The King's English, he calls it. And he says, we can look forward to hearing all the King's English later on tonight. And I genuinely worried that he was going to get given a segment later on. I mean, as far as he's concerned, he he does. I tried to get as many instances of the King's English as he mentioned them on commentary. Mm -hmm. He does it around half a dozen times. Although I will say, after the second or third time, he stops calling it King's English and accidentally calls it a, and now it's time for a King thing. (laughs) The king thing. <laughs> it's a king thing. So, uh, wearing pointy hats. Yeah, it's a it's king, a king thing. thing. This bloke is a burke. <laughs> <laughs> now, I- I'm here to be your, your English translator if you need any help understanding what any of these are. Well, I, I do Cinema Swirl, which is a podcast which is mostly like a thin veil of claiming to watch movies against the backdrop of me finding out what words like burke and sparking out mean. Okay, so you're already familiar with burke. I've heard burke and I burke is, I hate to answer a, a question with a question, but a burke is like a wazzock, isn't it? Yes, a little bit. Oh, of course you know burke. You watched Trapdoor, didn't you? Yeah. The main character there, burke. Burke. Yeah. Which is pretty much like if in America there was a show called Trapdoor with a cute little claymation guy called Dick. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he's he's kind of like an unreliable sort, right? Yeah, you're, you're a silly old sausage if you're a Burke. Uh, but there's no malevolence to a Burke, am I right No, you, you can be an affectionate thing like, oh, you spilled your tea, you Burke, I'll get you a towel. I'll or, clip you around the ears. You Burke. All right, easy up. Yeah, like, it's not like Git, which has got a bit more of like venom to it. Now, of course, Dudeness is all around because we're here in the heart of Dudeness. I'm talking about England, it's just an England, baby. England, England the care of goals. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as Dude Love very, very slowly shimmied his way around the ringside area with some of the lightest fucking high fives in existence, yeah. not only is his offense weak, his high fives are even fucking weaker. Adam, I'm ready for the not-on-broadcast television offense of both Dude Love and The Rocket <laughs> own heart here tonight. I'm talking palm strikes. I'm talking cat pounces. I'm talking the dreaded double karate chop. <laughs> I love the commitment to the shitness of Dude Love. Yeah, legit. <laughs> this is like so, like if George Costanza was a wrestler with a gimmick that he doesn't like. It's like, well, why don't you just start showing up and doing double karate chops? Of course. Pretty I'm, much, yeah. I'm out, baby. That's what I'll do. And my God, Dude Love is like living his dream because you can't point to him and say, dude, what are you doing? You're doing all this terrible offense. 
he's doing the exact same moves that like 18 year old Mickey Foley was doing on a fucking on a mattress out back in Long Island yeah he's living out the dream he's doing the soft offense that brought him to the dance the filter and the air horns mm, we're in England now baby yeah this is uh, I think Instagram called this 90s depression uh, yeah. this filter very grey very drab it's kind of like you're playing Silent Hill 2 and you've gotten to a particularly sad bit and it's just turned the filter up to putrid rain. We might as well talk about it now, like while we're still going on at the production. Not only are the cameras and the mics really grey and dingy and depressing, we've got the weird dodgy old blue mats on the outside of the ring. Oh like... yeah, and also as well, I only noticed this later on, but I'll mention it here for anyone who's watching this. Did you notice that the ring was on kind of like an elevated platform almost? Not just the ring, but ring size. Yeah, like the, the whole, whole area zone. is lifted up. So the audience that are sat in the front row are a good foot down than they would normally. It makes everyone look really short. Yeah, so. and also as well, it does, I mean, it does ring some alarm bells at having that kind of gap in the ringside area mm. when you can say anything about the very fluid style of 1997 and it's changing a lot in terms of what's the norm here. But with the proliferation of light heavyweights and people like Shawn Michaels in the main event, outside's where the offense is going right yes, here. So exactly. this was a bit of an oversight and it's a miracle no one got seriously, seriously hurt. But more on that in a bit, I guess. And then the other thing I noticed is the ring canvas. We are literally just starting off our first match here. The ring canvas is fucking filthy. It's it, like they've yeah. kept it in storage since Wembley. Yeah, seriously, it looks it like it's again. not been washed since 1992. No. And like, I think this is legitimately an issue. The little I understand about like videography and stuff, I know that's definitely more your, your speed. But am I right to think my theory here holds correct that the fact that the ring mat is so grubby and like, you know, proper, not the colour it's meant to be, that that has somehow offset the white balance of the hard cam? Because the hard cam, anytime we cut to it, it's like, oh, it's like a fucking pulsating wave of nausea. <laughs> I would agree with you were it not for seeing Los Bariquas in their white pants later. And I'm like, oh no, that is whiter than white right there, my friend. Now like, you come to fucking England, you use Daz, yeah? Exactly. Come yeah. on now. The air horns, which are of a varying quality throughout the night. Oh, this is great. You'll like this. Do we get an air horn that goes, um... Dude love? Yeah. I mean, we get a lot of those, don't we? We do. We don't get the dueling air horns. The chatter. We want, like, the Capital Carnage style. <laughs> it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation that could never end technically <laughs> this is interesting so the uk fans kind of like very much always get the kind of oh they're the wacky fans who yeah. come up with fun chants i think the uk fans i don't mean this as an insult whatsoever i think the uk fans as it stands currently and it has always been the case much like the ecw fans is an example of a fan base that you directly tell that they're entertaining we like what you're doing yes and we give you leeway to do it so yes. we're like obviously we're going to do more of it like much like if you're doing stand-up and you start doing stuff with the audience you're like oh yeah this is really great what you're doing here people are going to feel empowered to yeah to put in and do more stuff mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, I think it's it's a two-way street here. It's not the case that WWE are coming in all footy-duddy. And no. then, all of a sudden, the UK fans making this hot show. Like, I think there is, like, an understanding that the UK show... I mean, they pause every time they say one fall now. Yeah, legit. They leave the space in there to make we sure know what we're, Yeah, we know what we're doing here, folks, yeah. you know? You've changed the culture. Congratulations. <laughs> Limp claps by Dude Love to Triple H. Vince McMahon's doing his best of commentary. I think they're trying to, like... 
we have a dispensation for fans who are watching who may not have seen before mm. because this is getting a lot of hype on Sky this is the first big event I think they're thinking people are going to watch this with the families people are going to watch it yeah. for the first time so Vince is like dude love is a fan favourite <laughs> blessed he's very good like I think it's because he speaks like kind of very clearly in like fan friendly like ex- like explanatory sentences yeah he's never going to go off on a tangent to talk about something from like the 80s that you don't know he's not going to Jim Ross you like. and he's not going to tell you the name of a move that you don't understand it'll be like that move or what move yeah that's true he's very accessible very much so King with his lapel mic gives us another King thing Pillock yep what a Pillock Pillock is one that I used a bit in because uh, I used to co-opt William Regal um promos back in like 2001 regal calls someone a pillock yeah you bloody pillock <laughs> i'll give you the thrashing of a lifetime and you're the one you dirty little toe rag oh yeah that's good and uh, the most trouble i ever got in with like a teacher for like kind of like saying something and you know you know i, I got trouble all the time it was a bad Ow! Ow! but uh, the most trouble i ever got in terms of like a, you cannot say that like i call someone in class once a dirty toe rag <laughs> They're like, give me your pencil, you dirty toe rag. And they're like, Kevin, man. <laughs> That's when you learned that toe rag was a person in the Bible of like the most ill repute. Hey, I'm like, a goodwill ambassador to the people here. I'm just trying to be nice, you know, be a physical commissioner. That's all, you know. Dude love with the move that was clearly discussed with Triple H in the back. It's only the Indian death lock. What the fuck? Fucking awesome, man. Yeah. They're giving us a lot here. Yeah, honestly, this is like, we're, we're, we're ragging on mix like, soft offense, but this is a really fast-paced, great opener. Like, they're putting on a great show. I mean, if you can do soft offense and get a reaction from it, and, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the stuff that Dude Love is doing is, like, you know, raises up one hand for a test of strength, then another, then the other one, and yeah. then he just does a little boogie into the corner. <laughs> I mean, the crowd eat it up, and, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, this is such a great way to start the night off. You've got the clear cut roles of like the sort of the the goofy looking cuddly fun good guy and the really handsome evil stuck up bad guy like yeah if you're someone who has followed the itr podcast and maybe has grated a little bit or like rubbed against the groove with our often very very consistent praise for triple h i think he's someone who we often put over a Mm. lot particularly on smackdown crawl and stuff even though there's a lot of kind of hang-ups about him but I think it's a lot easier, a lot more palatable if you're someone who spent like you know 15 years of your life hating Triple H. It's a lot easier, more palatable to go back to '97, see him in an opener, see him as like a, a player as yeah. opposed to the guy who wants to be yeah. the top, 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 top guy, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And you can see how good he is here. Yeah, you know he puts over fucking dude love as a threat. Dude love, like I mean, I'm the biggest Foley fan in the world. Mick Foley won't even put over dude love as a no, threat, like it. you know. Uh, we've got a lovely corner spot by Triple H is the flip and does like the bounce on the shoulders. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet shin music is avoided. <laughs> I swear, when I first read about that in this book, I thought like, oh, that's just something he did once in a house show. He's yeah. building up to it the whole time. Yeah, it's a big it, part of his act. Yeah. China gets involved. Chaos dude on the outside. And at this point, I decided to reach for a very UK reference. This pay-per-view is like a box of broken biscuits. Oh, it is, isn't it? All odds and ends. It's all odds and ends. Generally dusty looking, mm-hmm. but we've not had any in a while, so there's no complaints here. Yeah, you know. And these are still when you like when you sift through them. These are high quality biscuits. Like, oh, that, yeah. that's a good bourbon cream. It's just a little bit broken and dusty. Like, like 1997 UK Birmingham market here is very much like the teacher's staff room in Skegness here. Like I've not had this in a long time, and I'm just thankful for it in any form whatsoever. Exactly. So hey, I'm here for it. We get a Connecticut getting put over on commentary. 
Uh, Connecticut, of course, where Mr. Helmsley comes from, one of the most affluent states in America. It's a very fluent state. If and very else. affluent. They're fluent in money and green, man. And uh, thinking of better than other people, according to Triple H. Oh. That, you know what, Vince? No one's ever going to hate Connecticut as much as you, mate. No, like. honestly, like... We get the abdominal stretch by Triple H. He's using the goddamn motherfucking ropes. Using the ropes. Kyoto's like, Using the goddamn ropes! Jesus. Yeah! Kyoto is like one of the most dominant forces on this show tonight. He is Hebner a Capital Carnage. Yes, he yeah. is. Earl Hebner Capital Carnage is like, Hey, Steve Austin! Boom! Stunner! <laughs> red card! Ice screwed bread! Come you, here. you, 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 you're out of here! Hey, Sable, come here, baby. You and I are going to get married now. Gets on a fat hog and drives off. Hey, like. Vince McMahon, I swear on my kids' lives, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but Kyoda is taking no shit here. He gets right in Triple H's face. Yeah, Triple H very often... You know, we'll go to the well of the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Mm. You know, it has been it has been pointed out in the past. And I think when Triple H was in 04 and he was really making it his his business to get Flair over, he was very on the nose about it. Mm. But this is '97 Triple H, where if you dig out any interviews with him, he's burying uh, the likes of Flair and Hogan and yeah. whatnot. He's saying they're all old and washed up. They've no business in the ring. He's no business in the ring because I want to do all your shit, brother. Literally, like, yeah, it's doing, mine now. Yeah, doing the spot with the referee where you know, the referee kicks your hand or your foot off the rope and then you shove in the ref, the ref shoves you back, you go on your, your keister. Yeah. Like, this is pure flair, Tommy Young. Google that, folks. It's exactly the same and it's just as good. It's so weird seeing Triple H yeah. on, his, on his ass in the corner going, no, uh, with Mike Kyoto standing over him telling him off. He is the most fucking powerful referee in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. Yeah, legit, he is fucking up to the task. His youth makes him dangerous. And then, like, yeah, he's pushing him back, isn't he? But I will say, Kyoto goes full on Dragonborn here. Oh, he does. He proper Fusroidars him. Yeah, like. he fucking he, he commits crimes against Skyrim and her people here, folks. It's ridiculous. And then uh, Vince McMahon to try and explain what the fuck has just happened as one of the smallest referees in the business is laid out fucking Triple H, like with a series of strikes here in Europe. The officials have a somewhat more authoritative presence. Fuck off. What? Was this authority or latitude? Which one is it like? <laughs> I don't know which one I want. Like, latitude is you can eat shit and learn to like the taste of it. But fucking authority, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, this match, Adam, is what I call ideal wrestling. Because yes, I it is ideal. Because I show this to think like my mum and dad and they'd be like, oh, okay, they're telling a story using yes. their bodies and moves in the ring. Clear cut, easy to understand roles. You get what's going on. The action never gets boring. It never lets up. It's very easy to follow. Very rarely do we get to see like the kind of the dude love string of offense, like the 10 bashes of the head up against the turnbuckle falling down lower, lower each yeah. time. With a little bit of Charleston action afterwards. And hey, I didn't expect to see a top rope arm drag from Dude Love. Legit. That was totally one of those movies where it's like, yeah, yeah, you're going up top, but someone's going to stop you. No, there it is. It's the arm drag off Amazing. the top. Danucci would be proud. Sweet chin music followed up with a double arm DDT. But China interferes and then we get a sick pedigree. Triple H picking up the tainted win here. And I think this is like testing the crowd a little bit because we have a heel going over here in screwy circumstances and the crowd are kind of, they're giving them exactly what they want, mm -hmm. you know. But I will say, I think at this point, it was obvious that their theory about it being like, oh, it's going to be like when we did Canadian Stampede. 
I don't mm. think that's the case. No, it's not like everything's flipped and topsy-turvy here. Because I think something that you need to bear in mind is that in the UK, on Sky, we're watching the American versions that's of it. Raw. Which is very much portraying all of that faction in a negative light. Exactly. So yeah, more on that in a bit. 97 Heat King here. Let me tell you something about Austin Powers. What are you on about? Well, that loser Austin Powers, get him out of here. He says it's a British movie. It is. Like, it's yeah. not. It is. What are we talking about? It like? simply isn't. Sure, Michael Myers is only up from, from Birmingham South, isn't he? Like... <laughs> the English fans are interviewed. Yes. Here we fucking go. This is what we came for. Shawn Michaels has done but a scrawny little girl, yeah? And British Bulldog, he is Englishman. He is the Englishman. Sean gone rip, rich, yep. One, two, three. We've had nothing good come out of England, so fucking Frank Bruno, a piece of shit, man. I fucking, you know, I had to wake up today at half ten, you know. That one guy burying England, like. What the fuck? <laughs> Why'd you include him? What's that, like? <laughs> kind of a heel. Maybe he was just trying to work the crowd like William Regal would, like. I'm sorry, yeah, is, is Frank Bruno meant to be this, like, kind of, like, I thought he was famous. Yeah, he was a big-time boxer. He like. hosted It's a Knockout. Yeah, he did. He it's was like, a referee on it. Yeah, it's like Takeshi's Castle, and then you get to the end, and Frank Bruno's like, oh, you got to the end, he's putting on the gloves. <laughs> ding, ding, like. <laughs> So, yeah, Frank Bruner, is he, like, some sort of, like, uh, hate figure in the I UK? I don't know. Figures? I don't get it. I think William Regal buried him in one of his, like, promos where he was talking about, oh, Frank Bruno, he's rubbish, and all of you are scratching around looking for money, your dole money in Yargos catalogue, like, I think he buried Bruno then. Is that when he buried Tony Blair where he's like, he is a bitch of a muppet? <laughs> but I thought Frank Bruno was, at this point in time, I thought he was still, like, a bit of a British icon, like a hero. Like, yeah, right? I think this one guy is just a misery guts, mate. Oh, well, this is the only time that Bruno gets shouted down on commentary. I will tell you, folks, when looking at the 97 fashion on, on display here, there's a few things that come to mind. The little earrings. The oh, le- yeah. The leather bandanas. The curtains. The curtains, baby. Yeah. Fucking hell. Silent drapes be damned. Those are some fucking... <laughs> those are gelled in place. They ain't making any noise. <laughs> we put the call out on Facebook and Twitter to ask if any of our fans had actually attended this show. Oh, back yeah. In the day. We got a few here, and there's a, a couple that said they were actually in the arena, not necessarily remembering it too well because they were quite young. But Jason Cox said he was there. He was seven years old. Doesn't remember much, but you can see him holding a Bret Hart flag on the hard camera, which is sweet. Aww. And Lisa Richmond here says that she was possibly the only Sean fan in the building and everyone hated her that night. Yeah, we do cut a few times to women or like groups of like kind of teen girls or yeah. whatnot. And they're like, we love Shawn Michaels. He's sexy. And he's like, and boo. And like, it's literally a boy that gets right in a girl's face. He's like, what are you on about? Yeah, there's a bit where this poor woman is like, I think that Sean will win. And then the guy just back goes, why? <laughs> why? Because she's like fucking wrestling. What's the fucking problem like? <laughs> Man, the, the, go on, the gatekeeper's here. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep Shawn Michaels fans out of wrestling. Yeah. Because then maybe Shawn Michaels won't be here. We won't have to see him wrestle his excellent matches anymore. <laughs> like, you know, I love, love, love how I mean, I'm sure it's happened to me because, you know, I fucking went off on so many wrestlers like for, for no fucking reason in other yeah. episodes. Like, you get caught up, don't you? But it's so silly. Like, even like John Cena and Roman Reigns are such strong things where you get like, 
this thing in your head that them not being there at all. Like, it happens with Lesnar as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you think, oh, them not being there is like, going to solve all the problems in wrestling. Like, yep. it's, it's not like, no, you know? There's a lot more going on than just them. It's so easy to get worked still. Fucking hell. Bulldog has got a big presence with the fans here. Many of them who have signed their chests in very small, like, Bic Biro. Yeah. And then we get the big home-home finish here. Little boy right to the camera. British Bulldog! I really wanted there to be that lad there just going, British Bulldog's going to lose whether he wants to or not. Oh, man. I tell you now, this was just fucking... This was pure. Anytime you go back to the 97 fans in, in the... like, I get at worst, it's going to be beyond the mat vibes. At best, it's just like a fucking... Uh, looking back in time in one of the most pure ways possible. It's a time capsule, isn't it? Yeah. Like, we all were wearing them, those leather hats. We, we all had that haircut. We all thought curtains were the way to go. Like, coming up next, it's Sunny, And she is, ladies and gentlemen, quite the WWF attraction. All right. Uh, well, she is an attraction, I mean, for, for the WWF. Like, I guess. You could I put mean... Sunny, like, plus Sunny at the bottom of any of these cards, and people would be like, wait. Hey, Sunny's going to be there. Uh, Sunny, who puts more of a match in with this coat than the Godwins will put up later on. Like, <laughs> she works the fucking coat. Like, I think we said it so many times. And the compare and contrast between Sunny and Sable, my God, Sunny, fucking work rate yeah. for doing a job that is thankless in wrestling the Mm -hmm. person who has to go up and hype up the crowd yep for the match that vince mcmahon is confident needs sunny there to get it over absolutely that's what i mean that's that's not many people who would be getting that back in those days no it takes serious skill and sunny always fucking nails it like yeah she always as well and i think they've done a good job with this proceeds either minis Light heavyweights or matches involving competitors from ECW, USWA, or people who really want to make a name for themselves, or like you know people you're not going to see normally. So like it's almost like a Pavlovian response. Sunny comes out in a tie dye outfit, and then I'm going to see great wrestling. Yeah, I'm like, pretty much. Here like, we go. I know you want fun wrestling, and yes. that's why everyone goes way when she comes out, isn't it? Because everyone's expecting a great match. Everyone's pure Adam, and she specifies that she's here in England for one night only. Yes, that's the name of the show. And tonight we are having not any of the matches I really thought we were going to get, as a result of Sunny coming out. No Max Mini here. No, no cruiserweights. No cruiserweights. But we have someone who needs to make a name for himself. Leaf Cassidy, of course, the uh, erstwhile Al Snow, the downward spiral of which has been happening behind the scenes, and we've not really had a chance to talk about it. No. So Leaf Cassidy just comes out. He was one of the new rockers with you know, Marty Jannetty. Jannetty, mm-hmm. you know, he's God, and here he is still in the old fucking gear. Yeah, coming the same out, outfit. Looking disheveled. And I'm not trying to like body shame or anything like this here, but the fact that Leaf Cassidy comes out here, and we've not seen him in like two or three weeks... The fact that his hair is all like wrong colors, and he's yeah. like he's put on a bit of weight, and his singlet looks like he, he looks like he's going through some shit. He looks miserable, like. and like he keeps looking to the camera, like fuck, don't look at me. Like he's mm. re- and why is this happening? Because at the moment he's starting the thing in ECW where he is the jobber who's been pushed over the edge and is put out every week to lose. Th- like, he's the guy who puts Scott Putsky over his first two matches. Oh. You know, he's the guy who's putting over all the new cruiserweights. All you know, he put over. Takamichinoku, he put over Sasuke, he's putting over everyone. He's losing all the time. And in ECW, he's going mad because of it. Right. So his position as being a jobber that's putting over all these people is making him resent WWF, and he's using that in ECW to make this new Al Snow character. Yes. So are you saying that him being miserable and surly looking here 
is him acting and continuing his Al Snow character. Yes. It's not genuine surliness that he's then using to fuel the Al Snow I, character. I, mean, I think there is a genuine surliness there, but I think mm. with, with Al is one of these competitors who very much kind of, you know, like a seeing eye picture, he like let his eyes go fuzzy and let the the two kind of lines cross over each other mm. a little bit. I mean, he obviously did it a lot less damaging than Brett and Sean managed to do yeah, at this point true. in time. But he's one of the few characters who has a kayfabe that extends between two separate companies. It's true, yeah. And I really, really like that. And I think when you look back on ECW and how much ECW got out of WWF and how much WWF got out of ECW, it always is more weighted towards WWF. Vince got more mm. than his couple of grand's worth here. But when you saw the fact that people like Al Snow, and that was a really great thing about the first season, you know, people like Al Snow, the job squad, yeah. that Russo was able to see something there and they were able to have a fun story. And that only became because they were allowed to develop a bit of latitude. The job squad and all that, that all came from ECW. Yeah, if it wasn't for that, this would never have happened. And I, I think 98 and 99 are all the better from having the likes of Gilberg and the Blue Meanie and all Absolutely. that. And Leaf Cassidy, of course, here, he's continuing his story. But another competitor is just starting his. The Great Tiger Ali Singh. Okay. Immediately slight hesitation and chills because Tiger Ali Singh on a UK pay-per-view. I'm not expecting there to be a classy promo here. I'm expecting there to be race baiting. I'm expecting it to be a terrible match. What happened to Capital Carnage? Recap us. Oh, God. He came out and he said something like, I bet all of you would expect me to be driving a local taxi cab. I'm here to do it for my millions, and I do mean millions of fellow East Indians and Pakistani people here in the UK. We are literally innumerous. Like. Yeah, he was basically saying we're taking over. For like, fuck's it sake. was really fucking dodgy. And that was before or after Vince McMahon came out and said that we'd be left with a prime minister of Pakistani extraction. I believe that was after. Like. Oh, man. So that was dark. And I will say, Tiger Ali Singh, it has been greatly elaborated on in the first season. I don't know if the, uh, the opinion has changed much that Tiger Ali Singh was definitely overblown, overhyped, underskilled. Mm. And definitely Tiger Ali Singh is pretty much the main focal point of all of the kind of oh, hazing, bullying, yada yada. Yeah. You know, we heard about it in the Hardy Boys book on Patreon. We heard about it you know, several times throughout season one. You know, Tiger Ali Singh is the guy who had his turban taken several times. Yeah. You know, they like locked his gear in a fucking, you know, they, they threw his shit in the bin. And he also sued the company for racial discrimination, saying mm-hmm. that, you know, they made to do all this stupid shit like, and it was really bad like I mean like it was a bad time for Tiger Ali Singh really rough what's Tiger done so far do you know in 97 because this is kind of like a little bit of a coming out party the UK pay-per-view a safe pair of hands for a debut yeah it's he was in the Kuwaiti Cup and then we've seen him like attending Raws and stuff like that like, they'll cut to him in the crowd every now and then there's Tiger Ali Singh and Tiger Jeet Singh together and like. the presentation is not like because they did this later with him where it would be like He's the millionaire in the crowd. He's like, he's the affluent Asian man. Yeah. He's like, and then he would do things like pay people money to do stuff. You know, he would do, that's how Kurt Angle first debuted was the Tiger yes. Ali Singh was like, you know, gold in the crowd and, and Sunday Night Heat. But this was just meant to be kind of like, you would see someone in NXT now. Like here's yes. an international superstar with his team and they're looking and they're scouting very legitimate like presentation for, for Tiger. Similar to Ken Shamrock where it's sort of like we've got this athlete from a different place altogether and he's looking at he's scoping out the WWF like And Tiger Jeet Singh definitely like one of those kind of like legendary names mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily sure if it's ever fair to compare like in-ring style and abilities 
you know, from that bygone era with, with modern times. But I would say, like, Tiger Jeet Singh was probably one of the most famous Asian wrestlers of his time. Mm-hmm. And he is a legend. And even though it may not seem it here at all in the UK or anytime they're in America, this does mean a lot. Tiger Jeet Singh being here is a legitimizing presence, um, but it's just not for anywhere that you will see it on WWF programming. No. So immediate like chills when I think that it's Tiger and it's on a UK show, but he comes out with he's got like way more babyface music it's than a, he usually would. Like I mean, it's the type of music that they would use if they had gotten a few people, like a couple of luchadors down. It's just this kind of like generic, like yeah, like beautiful music you might hear in like a waiting room, a nice fish restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it's way more babyface music, and he comes out and he gets on the mic. I mean, he's not like, like no, no, no. He's he's being purely babyface. Yeah. Like so, I was like, oh, okay, this is a different Tiger Ali Singh to what we're used to seeing in the UK. He does get a very muted response, even though, like, Leaf Cassie couldn't be more like the bad guy with his and like he gives he even like gives Sonny an evil look as well. Like. Yes, but it's only Leaf Cassidy. You know, the yeah. fans can only get so angry about Leaf. Yeah, that's like. true. So Tiger gets on the mic, okay, and he starts talking about how he lives a pure anti-drug lifestyle. I'm a true and proud Asian Canadian. I want all of our children of the world to stay drug-free like me out here. Because I am the true Messiah. And with all your support, all my Canadian fans and love, we're going to set the wrestling world on fire. Very odd promo, this. This, I didn't know what this was this is like him and his dad had written a promo and they felt strongly about and then like russo or someone i'm not saying like oh definitely russo just someone said this needs a bit of salt and pepper Mm. and like it's almost as if someone has been giving him a heel twist on his face promo and he's still delivering it like it's a face promo so when he comes out and he's like i want to live a drug-free life that is like not a nauseatingly like pure baby face because you don't hear anyone say shit like that in no. WWF 97. No. I'm not saying there's no place for someone to do a gimmick like that. I, I like when people do gimmicks like that. It's just a time and a place, yeah. you know? I think like Ali in 2019 when he's doing that stuff where he's on the street talking about like shit that he had seen. Yeah, it's a more hopeful message whereas this is the first thing that comes out of his mouth. It comes off as kind of preachy. Yeah, it's like, like hi, I'm a millionaire and I'm the son of a millionaire and I live a, a drug-free lifestyle. Which the crowd are like, you can audibly hear them go, Huh? Yeah. And then he goes, I'm a proud Asian Canadian. Massive booze for that. Legit. They didn't want to hear either of those two words. And then he says, I am beloved in all of Asia. Boo! It's like, yeah, why are you saying that? Do you not want to maybe connect with your British fans if you you could? Like, like, I think there was a legitimate part here. I turned to you and I said, because I know there is, you know, in in Birmingham and and a lot of places in the Midlands and and in the North as well, like a huge Asian population, like since, you know, way, way back, like very truly part of the community. Birmingham is super multicultural, like, yeah. So is this them kind of thinking, well, look, local markets were promoting the shit out of this I don't know if Tiger was doing the local markets as well. If they were thinking we might be able to tap into, like, because you know, it's WWE do this all the time. They're kind of very targeted advertising towards ethnic groups. But like, you yeah. know, when they go down to uh, to certain places where there's a, a large community, they will send, you know, Rey Mysterio, whoever it may be, if they want to get like the, the Latina fans yep, in or whatever. Absolutely, it is. they do. Yeah, it it smelt here. Half of this problem was like they were trying to get some kind of Asian fans in. Mm-hmm. But then he goes, "I hate drugs." Boo. 
And also, I'm the true messiah. And I'm like, what? What? I am the true messiah. I am the true messiah. So are you a heel then? What the fuck? That came out of nowhere. This, like, was hit my lapsed Catholicism so hard. <laughs> I have done, like, everything short of proclaiming myself to be the true messiah on Cinema Surround <laughs> on the podcast. But I will, I will do. This is a red flag for yeah, sacrilegiousness. You draw the line at that. You're not allowed. All right. You can say you're the true messiah, mm -hmm. but you got to put a bit of fucking spin on it. You got to put a bit of English on it. You can't just casually uh, drop and I'm it the in. True messiah as well. He like, says it with all the conviction of like, actually, I think I will have another portion of chips as well. Yeah, yeah. You know? I know, I know, I shouldn't say I'm the true messiah, but I'm very hungry. <laughs> and also as well, great sign from Tiger Ali seeing here. He sweats profusely throughout this profusely promo. yeah the tiger ali scene that we're used to season one we saw him very early 98 we saw him then in 2001 as part of lowdown which was you know <laughs> downward spiral mm. even between 01 and 98 the body shape of tiger ali scene changed quite a lot he went from a man wearing like very big suits to a guy wearing a lot of kind of flowing robes and stuff yes. but my god i mean this man is a fucking tank here he is tacked on mass he is like ryback size yeah here. he's enormous he genuinely looks like he's struggling with this bulky frame like he's he's out of breath with the promo mm. he's sweating profusely he is like not fit into his like his gears like he's bulging out of his gear you know the way yeah. that ryback looked like he was about to explode like he could just pop off any minute like and i think you can get away with that physique but you gotta have the facials. Yeah. Because if you look like you're one fucking rep away from exploding, like Ryback was always like, bleh, 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 bleh. like yeah. you know, Big E always has the kind of the look in his eyes. Like Ian Harrison always has the, like. this man looks like he wants nothing more than to have a lie down and like take off like 20 stone. You know, oh. he looks so miserable here. Mm. And whatever about 98, Tiger Ali Singh, who's worked on a few of the kinks, 97 Tiger Ali Singh, is somehow worse. But not before we get a little promo from Tiger Jeet Singh. Yeah, he gets on the mic and he cuts a promo in, I believe he was speaking in Urdu, I think. Yeah, well, I was not sure, did I know? He got like 10 seconds in before Leaf Cassidy hits Tiger Ali Singh behind the back and then we're off to go. Like, And you know, due to the long history and current history of using just the foreign language as, as you know, as the heel promo. That's heel heat, that yeah, is. Like yeah, like Kyrie Sane will be like, oh, my name is Kyrie Sane. She'll say in Japanese, yeah. you know, what a heel. But I've always admired the performers who've overcome that limitation. Like I know Andrade did a little bit in NXT and I like how Asuka and Kyrie have done it as well. I think it's it's bullshit that you have to like have these promos that the gist is you don't know what they're saying. Yes. Like that's an uphill struggle. But I like when someone like Kyrie or Asuka will say, Well fuck that anyway, if you're gonna make me say it in my language, I'm gonna it's all in the eyes here. You yeah. Listen to me and you won't understand what I'm saying, but you will get the you will you'll get, get the feeling. You'll get like, the feeling. Yeah. Tiger G's feeling is that I think he wants to go to the library this Sunday. I don't know. <laughs> Like, it is like a fucking recitation yeah. of a slightly too fast teleprompter. <laughs> there is nothing to read behind these lines. No. So I would like to know what he actually said, folks, if he said, yes, my boy is the true messiah. Yeah, and, please let us know. And like... if you're the father and he's the son, who's the Holy Spirit? <laughs> 
Adam, as this is the UK. And, Motherfucker. Uh, sources say I'm a big dirty piece of shit, so why don't you take us through this match, big man? All right, so while Tiger Jeet Singh's doing his promo, Leaf strikes Tiger Ali Singh, and we get on to the match. We get some very basic clubbing, and I'll, I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised at the start. Tiger Ali Singh quite early, and it was a big belly-to-belly to Leaf Cassidy. Hey! Very impressive and nice, and I thought, hey, okay, maybe this guy's got a little something. I would say on this level... I don't think there's many people I want to have in the ring with me more than Al Snow if I was starting yes, out. Yes, absolutely. Because here's a guy who not only is, you know, he's a solid hand enhancement guy and all that, but like it's in his interest. His story is he's this guy who has to make other people look better and it's, it's or eating away at his soul. Yeah. So like it's in his, it behooves him to put you over. It's Legit. part of his gimmick. That's what he does. And immediately then it just goes straight downhill and we're getting very sloppy here. Very basic stuff. And this is the moment where Leaf Cassidy's theme song just started playing on a loop. Like... <laughs> hey, little bright spot in this match for me. I coined this term in our, my 205 Live episode I did for How To Wrestling. CQC offense from uh, <laughs> and defense, which we often see in Metal Gear Solid and also in matches involving like Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black. Strikers. Yeah, the guys who'll do like a whole sequence, but they're not going to hit the ropes. They'll actually be within a foot or two of each other. If someone gets knocked back, they'll do the little spin. Yeah. They'll pivot. There's lots of ducks and dives and little leaps. Al Snow, I keep calling him Al. It Leaf Cassidy. Leaf Cassidy, it is Al Snow. When he's like. thrown up against the into the ropes of the turnbuckle, he's this thing where he puts the hands down. He's like a little three three pronged divot. I love that. He's amazing. It's like yeah. fucking NASCAR or something. He yeah, move, maneuvers he himself. He does a big drift in the corner. Yeah, the, the purple like. sparks come out. Like. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, he, his skills aren't able to carry Tiger Ali Singh because he's fucking striking Tiger, who is no selling it. He's just like standing, looking at him like fucking Legion of Doom, like. And I'll tell you what, as hot as that crowd was... Straight down. Stone Cold Steve Austin is here in adjectives only tonight, folks. Yeah. We chat Brian Christopher on commentary. Your boy! Yeah, your boy's not here tonight. Okay, but he's not my boy, but he's not here tonight. Aww. Any owl fucking shy is what this match is. Pretty much. Like, what's the plan here? That the plan is to get Tiger over. But does Tiger work like a heel style? Is he working a true messiah style? It's, it's so hard to tell because that no selling and that kind of shit, I don't think is him being like, oh, he's so tough. It's literally just like he's forgotten to sell these moves. And like. the announcers no sell his promo as well. Yeah, because they're fucking talking about people like Brian Christopher. Like, oh, that's so funny fuck. where he's like, I am the true messiah. And the missing man goes, Tiger Alley, see there? And there's his dad. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's... I point out to you, it's like, watch, you know, Tiger Alley C, we've always said Patriot and Sasha, you can tell in their face and their eyes when they're coming out if they're going to win or lose. Mm. If Tiger Alley C doesn't sell, it's because he's winning. because he, he, Yeah, he's powerful. Well, what's like, the, I'm going to win, so why would I... No, there's I'm, no point in selling. Like, check myself, am I winning? Yes. Not selling. Yeah, duh. No, excuse me. You got a very enthusiastic Jim Ross on commentary talking about Sonny. Now, Sonny, she could be a Spice Girl. Now, uh... That's the extent of my UK material, folks. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> In a great mood here tonight, JR. Seriously. Clunky, so. clunky stuff. Get a nasty arm drag to Tiger from, like, Al does an arm drag to Tiger from the top rope, and it looks absolutely fucking disgusting. Get a big arm bar for a good long time, and eventually Tiger wins with a diving top rope bulldog that looks like shit. She managed to hit us. He hit it, yeah, but it doesn't look good at all. Like, it's, 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 it's the Jackie Gator Bulldog, if you're wondering what one it is. Uh. Certainly not a finish. And Tiger wins, and then his dad comes in, and Vincent Man goes, Tiger Ali seen victorious. And look at that, a hug from dad.
A hug from dad. A hug for the true messiah. What a segment. And then Sonny, sensing that the match and the anticipation and the fun levels of the crowd have hit rock bottom, is right back out there to just like make a good time. She's there like dancing with Vince. She does like kisses King, kisses her hand. Then she puts on Jim Ross, you know, Jim Ross's hat and sits on his lap and Jim Ross is like, oh boy. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Sonny's fucking tie-dye cohort fucking matches Jim Ross's big break cummerbund. Yeah, they go together. What a pro! What a pairing. What a can you imagine if there was a match and Sable was out there, right? And then afterwards it's like, oh sorry, the match wasn't good. Sable. Go make some fun with the three announcers. What would she? What would she do? Literally, what would she do? I don't know. She can do a nice karate chop. I know that much. There was the time she threw water on Taz, but that was only after she came back as Vince McMahon's. Ah, uh, oh, God, that's Dark Side Sable then. And the Golden Lovers. Oh. I'm sorry for calling it that. Recap of Ground Zero, where the Headbangers and Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, they won a match, didn't they? And they they got... won the tag belts. And then the headbangers, they went out into the crowd and they had a few sodas. Ha ha ha. Great stuff. Ah, oh, these kids getting all hepped up on soda and Marlon Manson records, you know? Headbangers who the previous couple of nights ago on Raw had the main event slot. They took on Brett and Bulldog in the main event. Fucking hell. Which is very much a, like, kind of, all right, lads, here you go. And, I mean, it was it was not the match you'd expect, like, you know. Brett and Bulldog. I mean, they got a match out of them. You yeah. Know? But, you know, they didn't botch as much as they usually did. But, okay. again, it was, like, when they came out at the start of the match, Thrasher has the belt and he turns and he goes, can you believe we have these? <laughs> no. I'm like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's going on Adam legit I don't get it I, I still don't understand why they put the belts on those guys I'll tell you what though big pop for the headbangers big here pop. huge yeah I did not expect that they love them they love they're, them they're super over there's a reason why the headbangers are in war zone yeah that's the type of thing right yeah. they are a strong gimmick yeah you know? I guess it's why they were back on Smackdown in 2016. It's a strong gimmick, Adam. I made a very bold prediction at the start of this match because we yeah. got the King's English. We got King talking about all of his English phrasing. We got some King things going on. I was 100% positive he was going to talk about how bangers are sausages over here and that these guys are the head sausages. And because those Barikas wear their white pants, you pointed out earlier, they like mash. Bangers and mash in this match, folks. Bangers and mash. Da, 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 da. Bangers and mash. What's that? Oh, I'm doing blankety blank, but okay. <laughs> For fuck's sake, Kevin. Let me hear that synth drop. What are you on about? Am I your fucking culture or lack thereof? You don't just put bangers and mash into blankety blank. No, you save that for more highbrow things. Lily so. Savage wouldn't stand for it. <laughs> Loose Barricos are back in hat mode here tonight, which yes, I'm happy they are. with. Mm-hmm. As opposed to men you hired on Gumtree to help you move at the weekends. <laughs> where they got their baggy jeans and loose fishing work boots. This is a fucking look. Miguel Perez is out here with Savio Vega. Yeah. Miguel, who's the hairier individual, and Miguel, who, you know, when you get a chance to actually see him wrestle, I would love to see some of the shotguns around here because I think the Barricas, four great workers there, and I think they were filling out a lot of those shotgun matches. Yeah. And I'd actually like to see a little bit more of them as opposed to just chucked in there with fucking 10 guys. And, you yeah, know. they always get lost in the shuffle of the match. Everyone gets lost when they're resting the DOA. I predict a decent match here, Adam, because yeah. I think the Broicas are the perfect level. They're like Leaf Cassidy. They're the perfect level of like competent, but like haven't got a strong enough kind of 
They're not going to get over no. like, to the extent that you have to worry about them losing heat here. They're a safe pair of hands. Surely the Headbangers will be able to do this match without incident. Surely. <laughs> we trade momentum quite a lot in the start, and mm. the crowd are very, very happy to do so. And it says again a lot about this crowd and this UK audience that they are right back where they were even after that fucking really odd match like a, a promo that not even the deliverer knows the tempo or the the gist no. of and a match that stinks is enough to kill any crowd on any given night but they're especially forgiving here in birmingham like have you ever been to a wrestling show where there's been like a shit match and it just like bottomed out the whole show no, i'm i luckily i've never been to that kind of show where it's just like well that's it we're all gonna be all enthusiastic all night now yeah like. i've been to shows where there's been like too much birthday cake type of a thing where it's oh, so like you get burnt out instead. Where it's like, yeah, like, it's hour four point five now, and I am about to go on to my third of five main events. All yeah. of them are guys who've been brought in to have a one hour time limit classic. You know, I'm sorry, it's the way it is. Seven yeah. hours is too long for a wrestling show. I'm sorry, folks. Is. Very little in the way of botches in this match. I will say it was a cleaner encounter than we had with. I mean, yeah, we ain't got the Godwins in here. We ain't got the DOA in here. Yeah. Headbangers are in safer hands. Yes, I do still think it's not as fast as I could do with for a tag team match. There's a lot of rest holds and a lot of slowing down at several points. What you got to do with the bangers? Yeah, I guess. And also, how often is it? It's such a bad sign when the tag champions are clearly the guys being led through the match. I know. Why are they the champions? I still don't understand. Like, for me, I think titles are... In terms of story and all that, it's mostly fair game. You know, it's it's all about what you decide to kind of do with it and all that. But I think the bare minimum, if you are to have like a X, Y, and Z, needs the bare work rate minimum. I think if you are to be given a championship, you need to be able to at least carry the level of match that would be anticipated mm-hmm. by that championship. Yes. That that should be the bare requisite. Because if you can't put together a match and they give you a belt, that means your title reign is completely decided by other people. Yeah. Like that's when you get big Goldberg situations then where people are telling you to do this, that, and the other. Yep. You know? So how does that work out? Uh, I got the word swa written down here. Yeah, we get a double grunt of the night in this one, Kevin. Uh, this is when we get Vince referring to something as being a very sound strategic maneuver, which obviously is a move that makes a big noise. Well, our first grunt of the night is when Miguel hits a clothesline and he goes, Swap! And then a minute and a half later, we see Savio hit a snap mount and he makes a big Swap! So Savio and Miguel, the Swa and Swap connection. Swa and Swap! And yeah, they are the two grunty boys, and therefore I now love Los Bariquas. Hey, I'm glad to have you on board. Let's go wear hats and drive around in big cars and fuck up some bikes. <laughs> Miguel Perez, literally the second Vincent Man goes, keep an eye on Perez, the man known for his flips and somersaults, and then he immediately whiffed one. Like, oh, dude. And then Perez is like, oh, yeah, I'll fucking show you. And this is a moonsault standing just to show that he can flip. <laughs> you know, I like that. Like. <laughs> Fucking egg. Someone was tweeting the other day, and they're like, what's one thing in wrestling that always makes you pop, no matter what, like, regardless, or something that you just love about wrestling? And for me, and you can detest this, you've been with me at live shows, literally any cartwheel. Oh, yeah, literally. I think it was Debbie Keitel we saw at Eve recently did a cartwheel, and I remember you so loud just went, yes! Just like up on the <laughs> ring apron. <laughs> so happy. Fucking great. Like, I mean, I, I honestly think like, it explains the Stacey Keebler fandom as well from season three, because Stacey Keebler was, was a wrestler who, once she ran out of her three moves, was like, cartwheel time, baby. Like, <laughs> you know, I saw Kurt Angle wrestle Cody Rhodes, and Kurt Angle busted out a cartwheel. Yeah, he did. I, I was crying. <laughs> Never retire. Oh man, we have the dirty mat here, which is with a lot of the rest holes in the match. The dirty mat did kind of make me a bit queasy. Yeah, it's very uneasy looking. Not very good when you go and you wrestle a match and you have a headache and it shits afterwards. Oh. Like, again, to the king thing. 
What's this one? Uh, Kingdings is his new uh, his new font, of course. <laughs> Lots of crude sexual For gestures. Sake. No, his new king thing is tart. Oh yeah. Yeah. Headbangers wear skirts and too much makeup. Therefore, tarts. I will say though, we did notice Headbanger Marsh was a few inches shorter now. He's uh Yeah, what's happened there? He lost his lifts. Oh no, if you're a few few uh, roads of Hail Marys were showing a bit too much ankle and calf there. If we're if we're going back to the Catholicism here, you know. You can't you can't botch this one, Kevin. This I can't. Is a big one. Hot mosh to head tiger and bang. <laughs> <laughs> Your I, face. I, I, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to be like Babe Ruth, Maggle, and I'm going to call my shot. There's one of these in Bad Blood, and it's the best one ever. Like, I may retire afterwards. <laughs> really? It's yeah. the last one. You're never topping that. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe we can get that with Kevin Kelly jokes as well. Maybe we'll do one great one and then maybe call it a day. Never do it ever again, maybe. Uh, let's point out we actually have someone who's now working on some compilations, mm. uh, best ofs, including a Kevin Kelly compilation. Mm. So if you are interested in any way in helping us with timestamps or anything from any best of series you'd like to see, add it to your podcast at gmail.com. I took some lemons and made them into lemonade there, Adam. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. So we're moving on now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just too mad. The idea of listening to 10 minutes of you with your Kevin Kelly jokes. I, uh, how, how many of them do you think there are? Well, there's been 58 episodes we've, of Smackdown. We've been doing this for seven years. Yeah, legit. Years, I, man. Fucking years, man. There's, years, man. There's got to be over 100 of these Kevin you Kelly jokes so? right now. Easily, yeah. Interesting that. So we have Miguel with a, what can be best described as an accidental dropping powerbomb. Picks up Marsh for a powerbomb, kind of falls over and then yep. just manages to steady himself. Drops it right down there. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, very much, again, embracing the fact that the Mariquas are here to help. The Godwins would have dropped you. Absolutely, they would have. Legion of Doom wouldn't have given a fuck either. They're like. too ornery to make it look like they would have helped you. We got, I wrote down here, stage dive. Uh, the head boogers win, but... The problem here now is, Adam, is I think that anytime Marsha Thrasher do any sort of a double team finisher or Marsha Thrasher does a top rope whatever, that's the stage dive. Yes. And I swear from Attitude and Warzone, the stage dive is like, it's a mosh single finisher. Oh, I thought it was the, it's like the the, the, the pounce, the kind of almost like the Luthez off the top rope. You kind of squat on them off the top. According to the Pro Wrestling Wikia, it's the tag team maneuver is the, the stage The power dive. bomb and the leg drop and combo. The yeah, that's the, that's the stage dive. That sucks. Imagine then that, like, Benjamin Man's glad he didn't go to the bar in the 90s to have all the tag teams do their finishers on him. Which one would you <laughs> like to get the most or the least in terms of a tag finisher? Because do you know the story about Vince and the tag teams in the 80s? No, go on. Well, apparently Vince they used to like, like to go and drink with the boys back in when he first nationalized and all that to kind of fraternize and one night it, him went to a bar he got pissed and it was like you know, ah, the heart attack's not that tough a move or the devastation device not that tough a move and then all of the tag teams decide right we're all going to do our finishers on Vince in the bar and like Brett tells the story of doing like the heart attack and Vince like hit his head on a fucking pool table so, yeah. and then Vince afterwards is like no I'm cool pal and then like, I pick him Hulk he's like well <laughs> it's time to do the doomsday device on Vince McMahon <laughs> so I want to know in your mind if you're had a few mm. You know, you had a little bit of the yeah, bubbly yeah, yeah. or whatever. What's the least one? Because I've taken the 3D from older boys. Say, I'd like to take the 3D. I think that would be an experience. That was the scariest thing that ever happened in my life. Really? Yeah. And I, I was I was given like Texas pile drivers by older boys. Right. Like when I was in boarding school, the first couple of years, like some of the older boys, when they find out you like wrestling and you think, oh, great. 
the older boys know I like wrestling. Maybe we can just talk about something. They come up and go, you, man over here. And they'd start doing moves like, yeah. and it's like, oh, what's the matter? Don't you like wrestling? And oh, okay. And they would do a lot of horrible moves to the wrestling fans who then very quickly stopped liking wrestling. Now, I, was, I was given the 3D and legitimately what didn't prepare me for the 3D was the height. Because I just got picked. Like, we'll give you the 3D. And I thought, well, I'm just going to land flat on my front. Yeah, you're going to get lifted up. That's going to be fine. The, yeah. But I was only 12 at the time. So mm. when your man lifted me up, and these are big fucking rugby SCT, Leinster fucking mm. players. Some of these guys played for fucking Ireland. Like, and they picked me up. I, I literally got vertigo as soon as I went up because it got up so quick. And then I went down so quick. I felt like I'd looped around. Right. So like I laid on the ground. I was just like in shock. Like, just, like, Jesus. I, I, I went up and down so quickly. And that really, really hurt. Although that same man gave me a, a pile driver and then came to me. <laughs> Once rumour got around that I was going to go to the nurse because my neck was still sore, he went over to me at like six o'clock in the morning when I was asleep and like woke me up. I was like, if you tell anyone, I will fuck you <laughs> up. Like. Christ, so uh, that was my experience. I'm glad That's what I, it's like growing up in prison. He's <laughs> supposed to go over to boarding school. I didn't get... I'm glad though, I would say... I haven't the pile driver as bad as it was I would say spy pile driver's got to be the worst of course it does like, you know Jesus Christ because has any tag team ever done the spy pile driver that's not a scary tag team that you would not want them to no, do that it's no. always a horror imagine if Too Cool whipped out the spy pile driver you're playing Wrestlemania 2000 or No Mercy and you take it on the Stooges and they start whipping out the double pile driver can you imagine Jerry Briscoe and Patterson giving you a double mm. pile driver so what's it for you then Adam I, you see, I was going to say I would like to take the uh, the Hardy Boys trademark because that guy called it in Tough Enough. As like, it's known, like. Where they both just land on you. Because it's like, all I've got to do is lie there yeah. and let them land on me. Whoa. But if I remember rightly, in the Exist to Inspire book, audio review now available on patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. Not one, not two, but four episodes to the Exist to Inspire megathon. Fucking seven hours or something like that. If I remember rightly, they do the Hardy Boys trademark on a guy called Smelly in that. And they, <laughs> they give him a concussion. So maybe yeah. I shouldn't take one of those. Heart like, attack seems pretty light. Yeah, yeah, maybe the heart attack. The heart attack, I think. What's the uh, the New Day's tag finisher called? The Midnight like, Hour. Midnight Hour, I wouldn't mind taking, to be honest. I mean, with it depends you. which variation. I feel safe in Big E's arms, like he wouldn't drop me. Like. Oh yeah, B- Big E holding me, Kofi jumping onto me. Yeah. like yeah. although anything we go on right in your face, that's you know, that's mm. a little bit scary for maybe me. Maybe a pile, maybe onto a pile of pancakes in that case, like concerto, man, easy peasy. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> Jesus, fuck that! No, no, mate, it's fake, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Backstage, Jim Ross with open shirt Davy Boy Smith. And that is the beginning and the end of any lightheartedness. This is a fucking straight to camera. Like Jim Ross is basically insisting, like, don't you fuck this up. I'm doing a sports presentation with the British Bulldog. Yep. And what we had in the intro package is continuing here now. We are right to the meat of the matter. What happened with your sister? Yeah. Talk about her battles with cancer. And... Yeah, this is like, this is really putting himself out there. British Bulldog, not a man who was very, very, like, open, let's just say. Mm. For for reasons, like, you know, multiple reasons. He had quite a tumultuous relationship, you know, Brett told all sorts of stories about him and Dynamite kind of courting their 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 partners and just there's a lot of, like, bad shit happened kind of along mm. the way. And I think Bulldog's had a, a tough old go of it. And I think it's nice to see Bulldog open up because he's not going to open up about like stuff like his own personal issues. I think him being yeah. able to open up about something that his family has been through at least is like kind of tempering it a little bit for the Bulldog to be a little bit more at ease. And this has got to be one of those heartfelt, like honest pieces that I think WWE have done this entire season so far. So sincere, so genuine, so real. Like he talks about how his sister's been so brave and she struggled through this. He talks about how she had cancer when she was like a baby. One years old. Yeah, and now it's come back again recently in this last 12 months. And, and she's, he's like, she says she's just 
finished the fight now, or like she's just been cleared of whatever. Yeah. But he says the phrase he says it took almost everything out of her, mm-hmm. and that phrase alone, like he he quivers a little bit when he's talking, and like you know, my godfather had cancer when I was very very young, and it like it it really has always kind of struck stayed with me like it's something that kind of if, if it's affected you personally or if you know anyone it's happened to it it does kind of strike you and it's not something that's very easy to talk about mm. so yeah kudos to the bulldog here for talking about something very sensitive but the question's gotta come up is this a little bit more of WWE exploitation here yep because we are taking a vulnerable man in the bulldog bulldog is vulnerable here let's mm-hmm. remember what happened at SummerSlam folks a yep. bit before that you know He's not in the best place, not in the best headspace. Is this a bit much? Yes. Regardless of what the finish planned is for tonight, whether you're going to put Bulldog over as this big, massive, heroic moment for him, or you're going to have this terrible tragedy at the end of the night, whatever angle you decide to go with here, they are exploiting his family's actual real-life tragedy for the sake of boosting whatever reaction they want to get. Are you saying never in wrestling we should be doing this? No, no, no. You can absolutely talk about it. You can mention it. It's just that this is like... A focal point tonight is it's something that keeps coming up again and again is like don't forget Davy boy's sister she's not been very well so here's my one question then the finish of the match tonight later on without getting into too much detail if the finish of the match was british bulldog successful defense or he fights you know even if he doesn't win directly he fights off the baddies he's there standing tall him and his sister his family on the hearts all stood in the ring together victorious does that make going so close to the bone here and going so close into the family trauma does that make that okay then it makes it more palatable yeah like i don't think it's necessarily ever okay to be this exploitative like they they are really really hitting it hard here folks yeah because he goes i may be the european champion but she's a real champion and i'm dedicating this to tracy because she's the strongest person i know oh mate and like there was a part here where i did actually well up a little bit because jim ross is like Jim Ross is the head of talent relationships. You know, the more I listen to his podcast and whatnot, the more you know that, like, JR was the absolute kind of the master of, like, knowing what was going on with everyone, yep. but also knowing that these are all guys who are very emotionally dysregulated for the yes. best part. A lot of egos, a lot of feelings involved here. He knew when to stick his oar in and he knew when to stay away, but he always knew what was going on. He was always involved in some capacity. So he knows what is going on here with Davey Boy. And the part here made me well up where he said, Davey, who's out there tonight coming to see you? And Davey goes like, oh, my older sister's here as well. My mum and my dad and my trainer's here and all my friends are back home and like you could tell how nervous he was mm-hmm. and like there's a bit in Brett's book where he talks about after Bulldog dying and he just says like the saddest thing about Davey was the fact that he like he'd spent his whole life being led around by people because he was such a big kid mm-hmm. and he was so trusting and so honest and innocent and straight with people that like his first for, you know five or ten years it's like the dynamite kids bringing him around and then he's yeah. like then i kind of felt like you know brett was like then i felt like i was bringing him around and then i felt like the family was kind of bringing him around saying you go here you go work yep. for vince now and the bulldog is someone who actually had very little agency over his actual career and that's really sad to think that this is a moment that has been presented to him that is like this is for you this is your moment and this is on you yeah i don't know if you like we talk a lot about the blurring of lines here. You can't tell me that Davy Boy doesn't feel like he's fighting for his fucking 
you know, his, his sister and his family here tonight and his fucking country. Honestly. What the fuck? Yeah. And is it the case that they think that he's just broken enough that they can do whatever the fuck they want? Mm. Or they just don't care? I don't know. It just feels... How can we have this segment knowing what's coming later on? That's it. I feel like, like I say, if they're going to do this and have the big setup to be like, it's a big happy ending, a big heroic moment for Davy, it's like... This is a lot more palatable because it's still exploiting real life tragedy, but at least you're doing it to send a positive message. Like, and you know, they go out of their way here as well because there's a little bit they take aside, and JR's like, you know, how have you been preparing for this match? And Davy straight away is like, well, as you can tell, I'm a lot less bulky than I was when yeah, I would he lost, here. He lost two stone. He's lost like. two stone, and they try and kind of pivot and say it's like a Rocky Three thing where it's like, you know. Shawn Michaels can't match my power, we know that, but he's one of the fastest superstars in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, so I've had to up my game mm-hmm. so I can keep up with him, and I think he hasn't got a chance now. So they give him like this out. The reality is, is Bulldog has lost mass and has been battling a loss of mass pretty much non-stop for the last five years, owing to his injury that he's already sustained. Mm. And, you know, you can tell that knee brace there. He's losing mass not because he's fucking rocky, It's he's losing mass because he's hurt and he's on all sorts of things, and... I just felt that they're really trying to protect him here, but this protection feels like setting up for a fall because yes. what the fuck, man? Yeah, like, you know. We'll get to it in the main event, I guess. No spice, hundred percent straight. The biggest night of his career coming up next. Flash, you are so funky, you don't even need any funkettes. Nope. They're fired. <laughs> Taking on the Patriot. Oh. And I will say, the Patriot is someone I've been watching a lot of on my screen. And Adam, I think the Patriot, it needs to be pointed out, because I watched a few bits of Raw before this, and the Patriot was dropping grunts. And anyone who's a grunter, I'm always interested in, and you're particularly interested in. damn right. But I'm talking about the recurring, predictable, preset grunts. The Patriot has got Jeep. Yep, that That, is a a signature. That is a signature grunt now. It's a speed dial grunt. Yeah, you could program that into the 2K games because it's so recognisable. Jeep. Jeep. It's up there with... You know who it is when you do it. Like. Yeah, or, yeah, you, yeah, you know what's you know. coming. So, Adam, I think it's worth pointing out because you have a few people here now who are part of this group. And this this group, it's not necessarily faction action we're talking about here now. No, because no, 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 no. The, the ranch is a small and covert elite group of people. But you're talking about an association, a league almost, of grunt hunters. That's right. We're hunting grunts, baby, and I need everyone's help. It sounds swashbuckling, Adam. It's not. It's not a pirate thing. It's more of like a Indiana Jones adventure. Oh, I'm, I'm thing, swashbuckling like. in terms of like there's no limits. There's nothing but you and open adventure and discoveries to be made. You've got your ranch, okay? You let me decide if we're going to be buckling any swashes over in the Grunt Hunters faction. Oh, like. sorry, guys. Booking my pirates versus cowboys WrestleMania 37. It's not. <laughs> it's not working. I'm sorry. Like everything's big in Texas, but look at their armada. Wow, we're going to need so many horses. <laughs> I'm always on the lookout for grunts. If yep. you want to be part of the grunt hunters, then send me your favorite grunts. Anything you come across during your wrestling watching, let me know on Facebook or on Twitter. Like. And could it be that the most elite group here now, we actually have some grunt hunters who are out there, and we know because they've got hashtag grunt hunter in their Twitter bio. There you go, yeah. They've got the little trophy there and everything, mate. Like. Do you want? Is there an associated emoji you want to put with that? Yeah, it's a trophy emoji. Trophy like, emoji, yeah. grunt hunter. You've got to be given it. Like You can't just go putting this yourself. Like. Well, you can't be first, but you can be next. Use the hashtag Grunt Hunter, 
uh, with a little trophy and also at Biblops and at a podcast. Any, any, because a lot of people are watching alongside with us. Exactly. Yeah. As we go along, which it's is lovely. Really fun. So the Patriot, he's kind of like an elusive target then, Patriot, from Hitman now, isn't he? He's up for a limited time because he'll be gone by After Bad Blood. Yeah, not long left. He's like Ahmed Johnson in that respect. Like. Played by Sean Bean, the Patriot. <laughs> For sake. So, Patriot coming out here. He has not got a little promo beforehand saying, like, patriotism is for, for anyone from the United Kingdom no. or the United States. I don't care as long as we're all united together and against the, against the, the, the evils of people who are not patriotic. Now, Patriot has had metal from Kerrangle. Yep. But he had a version of that at the start, which I actually preferred. Really? Yeah, the one that had the Liberty Bell. The real proto Yeah, it had the proper, like, ding, yeah. ding. And I don't know why, a bell in wrestling, I fucking love. Like, mm. I love I love when the gong keeps popping up in, the, in Undertaker's theme. Like, You're I, always saying, ring that bell. Ring mate, that bell. Like. I hope you are inspired, like... <laughs> But the Patriot, he has a more streamlined version here. So this is a straight up like, singing Dale, has to sing, shotgun, Saturday night, mouth is getting too small. <laughs> oh, poor Dale. He just make... sealed over there. Oh, like... no, he can't breathe in there. Help. I want to point out as well, and this is like, <laughs> this is something that I agonized with. I've told you about this. When I was editing Ground Zero, mm-hmm. There was a bit in Ground Zero where he went to the kind of, who is the Patriot? Oh yeah, his special package. Yeah, like if the Patriot was a, his own entry on Encarta and he's one of the special ones, so he got a little uh, FMV in the yes. bottom left-hand corner. Like, <laughs> so we had to find all about Dale Wilkes. Now I had, an, after that package said, Dale Wilkes there, the Patriot, a former Heisman Trophy winning athlete. And I had to cut it out because he didn't win a Heisman Trophy. Right. His friends that they interviewed won a Heisman Trophy. Right. But his friend was like, oh, yeah, when I was winning this trophy, Dell was like, yeah, we would get, like, you know, pizza or whatever. Like, so he basically won it too. Like. So, but there was a genuine moment where I was like, oh, but maybe I shouldn't cut it out because, like, <laughs> no, because, like. He needs it. Like, he, like, who would, like, who would care? Yeah, no who one would care. I bet no one would have corrected you. I get three tweets from the people who are, like, kind of the, the proper sports hawks here who mm. help us out with, like, when there is, you know, legitimate sports stuff to talk about. And they'd be like, he didn't win a Heisman Trophy. That was only run by Dick Butkus and Willie O'Neill. Right. <laughs> so I, I didn't, I was, like, really going to keep it in there. And I thought, nah. I will somehow make the Patriot even less impressive sounding. So I cut it out in the end. People didn't say we didn't put over his mask. That's true. We didn't have a good chat about that at Ground Zero. He's got a fucking badass look. That mask is awesome. Yeah, I thought I had mentioned it in a previous, you know, because we did mention the Patriot very briefly. Briefly. But yeah, the mask is amazing. All the variants on the mask are amazing as Mm -hmm. well. I love the the USA down the back of the the kind of spine of the mask. It's excellent. Dell is here to wrestle with a few things. The fans' disdain for him. Yep. The fans' ambivalence towards patriotism. And also the concept of putting one's flag away. Cut away from him. He brings his flag out and he gets in the ring and he waves it around and then he goes to the corner to put the flag away somewhere. And we get a good 30, 40 second shot of Dell like, oh no, it won't fit down there. Oh no, it won't go there. Maybe you could take it. No, hang on. I got it. I got it. No, so usually not going what happens, there. you know, the famous shot of the American flag, you need like 10 soldiers pushing that up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> on his own, have you ever tried that? It's hard. Really it's big, like, mate. Yeah, and the problem is there's no Americans to touch the flag for him. So he's kind of like, you know, there's no one, there, literally there's no one there to take, there's no ring people there at no. the side to take it. Like, you know, because you're, you're SoCal Val or whatever. He's not like. going to hand it to some Brit. Like, I mean, that's legitimately a really important job. The person who's there to take like, the ring jackets and shit yes, like that. To 
collect all that guff. Because it really made the Patriots seem like a fucking ding-dong. Yeah. Billy was asking about the flag code last time. That's right. How we get around it. We had a lot of people from, from the old United States mm. tuning in to let us know what that was all about. The issue with the flag code and the reason why it's not something that is enforceable or someone's going to go to prison for, it's not because... It's like protected because it is a a show or a piece of performance like that we said. No. Or is it even the fact that it was like some people said, oh, you can do things like call it an American flag and have like 53 stars on yeah. it or the wrong number of stripes. That's what some people suggested as well. But no, it's, it's the clues in the name. It's, it's flag code, not flag law. No. The code is just a code yep. and an, an expectation of kind of like how citizens should act. So it is technically not against the law to go out and burn flags. And people were quick to point out American flags get burned in protests all the time. Because freedom of speech, baby. Because I'm an amendment to be. And I'm an amendment to be. And I'm hoping that they ratify me. There's a lot of fly burners who have got too much freedom. <laughs> I want to make it legal to give him Uncle Slam. <laughs> <laughs> the Patriot here, aka there's limits to our liberty. <laughs> Handshake from Dell at the Stark. Please cheer for me. Yeah, he's trying his best to be a baby face. Who is more expecting the crowd to cheer from tonight, him or Brett later? Because Brett is really hoping for us, and Dell is really taken aback by this. I feel like Brett has a sort of a look about him where he's like. I really hope the fans will cheer for me. Whereas Dell is like, why are they not cheering for me? Wait, what, what the fuck? Our flags have got the same colours. Like, what the hell? A lot of people talking that in 98, had we not had the injury, the idea of Adele Wilkes being the kind of, the prototypical Kurt Angle, like, but I'm the Patriot. Like, that would be great. You know, Vince McMahon, an early corporate champion to put him against yes! Steve Austin. Yes. It would have worked really well because you could have had someone janky like the Patriot and him be like, I can't believe you think that Steve Austin's more American than me. Yes. You know, because... Kurt did did that, but better. But like in '98, it would have been great. Like, it would have been great. You know? yeah. And I would like to see. De- I honestly, it does make me sad that like Dell is pretty much done after Bad Blood. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I really wanted to see more of him. Unlimited potential here. So he just came from heel versus heel. Now we're going face versus face, and Dell doesn't pivot. But Dell's not like, oh okay, I'll work a bit heel because we get a second handshake. <laughs> he then. shakes his hand again. <laughs> Maybe now they'll cheer for me. And then, here. We don't typically see that in the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to apologize for this display of sportsmanship. It is not what we are about. And we do not want you to think that that is any way what we would condone on this or any of our affiliate programs like Silk Stockings on USA. In fairness, JR explains by going, well, Vince, these guys are not enemies. They do not hate each other. To which Vince says, well, that's kind of nice. <laughs> that's the best you can say about this. Cool. We got another king thing. Oh, what's this one? A slapper. 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 Of course he keeps finding words that hate women. Yeah, of <laughs> like, course. Those are his favourites. I will say, you've got more than a few. Yeah, <laughs> like, you've got plenty to choose from. Like Dell with bemused offence. I was kind of scared for Flash Funk because Dell was like given less and less of a shit as the match went on. Yeah. And like, that's when things happen. That's when it gets sloppy. 58 minutes in, we got a far of the night. Certainly has a big size and strength advantage over Flash Funk. <laughs> What was that? <laughs> now, was that an air horn or was that JR up to his old tricks on commentary? JR up to his old tricks on commentary. You mean perfectly normal, non-fart, regular, insulate, heavy cables, heavy cable and tape and laid down. That's all it was in AW. Let's listen for ourselves. Yep. 
Right, and that unless this obviously the bit afterwards where it sounds like he's choking on a fart. No, no, no. That was no. just the after effects of the cable being laid down. Yeah, to to use another king thing, leave it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. It's fine. Did you hear what they were only doing to your country's fucking national pastime? Oh God! They called the beautiful game sissy. Oh man, yeah, they're talking about sissy soccer. Soccer, like. mate, what the fuck? Like, you know, soccer's pretty hardcore. They don't wear any of that padding. You know, yeah. they go, they're just kicking each other as hard as they can in the head when they go out there, you know? <laughs> that I'd watch. I mean, I mean, when I first watched back in the day, Eric Cantona was the man. I thought, oh, okay. He's doing the punt. Yeah, like. I thought this is like, you, you drop kick racist. That's not what this whole sport is. <laughs> You know, once Cantona was gone, I was out of there. Him and Paul Inslide, that's all I wanted to see. Beating up the fans. Like The Patriot is not taking any of your spin kicks, Flash Funk. No, he is not. He is not a fan of those. I've been to the future and I've heard about Ralph Van Dam and I've read Kurt Angle's WAF's blog and I don't know what anything to do with these. He doesn't even, like, block them. He just kind of, like, walks away and pushes, yeah. like, no. Nope. No, thank you, sir. And every time Flash is, like, kind of nearly falls over, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Let me do my move. No. <laughs> we get the amazing spot here it's another grunt of the night folks Way. flash funk has got patriot in the corner and he chops him and it's the kind of spot where like you know the more you chop someone the more they fucking hulk up and they start feeding off the energy because like, i will say something that's very misplaced here tonight is dale is still all fire and glory and there's nothing from the crowds well, he's just it. like where's this energy going he's to go trying his best to have a baby face comeback here with a crowd that don't give a fuck about him <laughs> this is vietnam right here he's trying to rally the troops and people are not feeling the patriotism <laughs> at all this was a mystery judgment so flash is chopping patriot on the chest here and patriot every time he does it he gets in flash's face hulks up with his hands and he goes jeep slaps him again jeep yeah. you just keep thinking about that jeep they're gonna get you down oh bless boo we like regular cars boo we want to see a guy talk about a mini like. yeah come on get the patriot missile with the kick out and then flash funk with what could be best described as i think the sparkle splash sparkle splash well i mean that's what alexa bliss's finisher is and he, oh. he tries I see the cartwheel kind of thing, but I think he... It's one of the things where like he, he opts to turn... You know when you're doing Tony Hawk and you think, I'm going to do this, but then I end up just doing this instead? Yeah, he pivot last minute. Didn't get all of it there, yeah. you know? And then we got a moonsault, but we get the knees, and then Uncle Slam, the Patriot wins, and then we get our next King thing. Patriot's going to go on a holiday, not a vacation. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Going on a holiday. That was a fucking shit match. That lads. was dreadful. Like, what the fuck? And it just goes to show that, yeah, Patriot's got no skill to work on the fly because he was like, he had a baby face match laid out before him and he just did the whole fucking thing anyway. Like, This is what happens when it's your first pay-per-view in the UK or new place in like X amount of months or X amount of years where there's not yet been a conversation with all the boys in the back where they're like, right, we're not doing this, this and this. Let's, yeah. let's take it easy or let's go steal the show because we've had crazy highs... Some creamy middles and devastating lows. Devastating lows. And I'm not really sure what this next one's going to be. Leeds Ladoon, once again, taking on the Codwins. Again. We got a promo here from the Leeds Ladoon backstage. As the World Wrestling Federation goes around this country on tour, tonight is the biggest event that UK is ever going to see. Right here in the UK, Birmingham. You're going down, Godwins. We don't forget easy. The bucket in the back of the head. Slump dropped. Slump thrown on us. You're going down. Doomsday device. Payback is going to be you know what. Well, little birdie in the sky. Let a whitewash right in my eye. But I'm a big boy. I don't cry. Jeez, I'm glad. 
cows don't fly, but that's the only thing I'll be glad about when we get in the ring with you, Godwins. It's over. You don't like it, we don't care. What a rush. I'm not ready to get changed into my wrestling tights right now, and I don't want to put on my knee pads because they're a little bit sore. You're just going to film me from the waist up, but because I'm so animated, you're going to see that I'm wearing Zubaz. Yep. Well... I'll decide that you're all mountains now. <laughs> and because we're talking about the goblins, it sounds like we're talking about goblins. Goblins? He's like, goblins! You come out here, you took our gold, you try and take all of our people. Yeah, the goblins. And according to them, they're going to get the bloomsday babice. <laughs> well, a little birdie shot in my eye. I'm so glad cows don't fly. That was literally his promo. Okay. Road Dog and Hawk. Yeah, very similar, like... Wacky hairstyle. Deviousness. Needs to be in that tag team. Needs to have a bit more scripting, maybe. Also, someone... Both people pegged for kind of like... They could be a big, big star someday. Yeah. Do you know that like Hawk, like in the early 90s, was like, uh, if Hawk breaks away from Animal, he will be oh, yeah. the man. He was the breakout star of the LOD, supposedly. Like. I remember it was like 94, I found an interview from Paul Heyman, and they're like, if you could start a wrestling company, what top guy would you take? And he'd say, Road Warrior Hawk, give me him. I'll build the whole company around him. Whoa. And he did book Hawk in ECW back in when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling. But right. I always just thought, like, I've yet to see that ever yes. other than the promo the energy the hot tags but maybe that's all you need back in the, the early 90s I think so yeah very cool American original entrance for the Legion of Doom yeah, it's really cool actually their lighting is fucking awesome love like. that love the fucking theme song for the Legion of Doom yeah. as well and they are invoking Summer Sam 1992. They're mentioning like, hey, remember they came out in those fat hogs? Yeah, they did. Uh, don't invoke Summer Sam 92 if you're not going to give us Paul Ellering and or Rocco. Yeah, we want both of those if we could, please. I only have to program one mind because it's a ventriloquist dummy. And I... <laughs> you can estimate the match length by the Legion of Doom's mm. body oil levels. You turned to me at the very start of this match. And I was like, I've seen the Legion of Doom and the Godwins fight so many fucking times. You turned to me as soon as you saw the Legion of Doom and you just looked at them and you went, this match is going to take 20 minutes. I, I said like, oh, 15 to 20 was my window. Oh, what a funny joke, Kevin. No, no, you were deadly serious and you were deadly accurate. This is a long-ass match. Have we got a bell-to-bell time there? I don't have a bell. It, it was Hang at on. least 20, I think. This is the problem, though, Adam. This is between feeling like and actually <laughs> You're being... You're going to find out it was a six-minute match. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Can we just say right now, before I find this, you are definitely of the opinion, as am I, that this felt like... 15 to 20 minutes. I'm going to say, if I had to guess accurately, I think 21 minutes, I reckon, for this. Okay, final answer. (laughs) 10 minutes? No! No way is it 10. No way! Disregard all of this criteria. Bullshit. 10 minutes? Bullshit was this 10 minutes. Why have I got, like, so many notes? Nothing happens. Nothing happens. We chat Uncle Cletus on commentary, who's not here tonight because... I don't know, I guess if you're a former member of the Confederacy, you don't get a passport or a visa. Yeah, no fly list. Um, yeah. We'll talk more about the Confederate thing in a little moment. How high-waisted is fucking Hawk here? Oh yeah, he's got his big boy britches on tonight. Seriously, he's like got the trend cornered from like the last few years in 1997. Oh yeah, another king thing. Mad cow disease. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, that's just proper British slang, that is, mate. I mean, I honestly, I the getting kids to eat beef after mad cow disease. I told oh, the story for before. Fuck's We're back to the beef chat. I, again. I, before, back like, when I was a kid, and I was like, I was eating beef at some buffet. And yeah. My cousin was like, "You're gonna melt." Scared you? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was. I was like, maybe seven. It's like. Two or three years removed from your man eating beef on the bone on TV to prove it was okay. And everyone's yeah. like, <laughs> getting sick in the street. So like mad cow disease, recent memory, the scars have not yet healed. The trust with beef, the beef on the bone, it's, it's not yet healed. Yeah. So immediately Vincent Mann goes, okay, um, King, that is, however, a very serious issue. And we have been given assurances by our contacts here in the United Kingdom that that is an issue that is dealt with yep. and under control for now. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, <laughs> but Ken Brockman, like, you know, after, <laughs> and then Jim Rostro was like, order the chicken tonight. Jesus, Jim. Jim. We're trying to sweep this under the rug. We're trying to sweep the beef into the children. It's not this way. Stop it. Fuck me. What is this? JR, if the fucking cowboy with the barbecue sauce brand isn't team beef, who the fuck is? <laughs> is it just me and Marco and the Beef and Dairy Network and no one else? Henry grunts and Hawk goes, That's not enough to get me to care about this match, I'm afraid, Kevin. Uh, Hawk, I see you trying here, but you can't get me into it. Like. I'm like, the start of the pay-per-view. It's <laughs> making fun noises. No, Hawk was very expressive in the face in this match. Yeah, that's true. A lot of dives where he was like wide-eyed and his mouth going... It was like a mask wrestling. I like that. Ooh. Ever since I've done the mask for Cinema Sport, I keep thinking like, ooh, a wrestler is the mask. They'd be fucking horrible. It'd be scary as fuck, wouldn't it? Me as the mask, it would be the the worst. That'd be too much, Kevin. Sorry, no offence, but please don't ever put that mask on. No, I'd be an awful cunt. It'd be (laughs) awful. I just feel like if I put the mask on, I'd be so anxious. I'd become this big ball of anxiety. Somebody stop me! But yeah, I would say the king or hawk getting the mask. King in the mask? No! Yeah. Don't give him powers. Nikki Bella getting the mask. Oh, no! <laughs> Jesus, no! I'm just thinking about people that could alter the, the world order as it stands. Yeah, <laughs> really know? change the culture. King's got another thing. Yep, Niffy. Niffy! Did you get Miffy? Miffy. I heard Niffy with an N. Wasn't Miffy the one-shot or two-shot character that Steph had? Like, yes, the, the yes. rip-off of Sonny? Yeah, the yoga instructor, the aerobics she, teacher. Yeah, and then Stephanie realised she didn't like standing in the ring for ten minutes with someone other than Triple H speaking on their behalf, for, yeah. so she got rid of her. Yep. But uh, yeah, Miffy, what was this meant to be? Because they're talking about the Godwins, and King's like, I got a King thing for you, they're they're Miffy. He's trying to make out like that means smelly, I think? Right, now, you've had, I've, Pongy is one I've heard Pongy, Whiffy? Whiffy? Whiffy is definitely right. Smithy? That's different though, isn't it? Because Smithy, that was the character with Lincoln's and the Bastry kids. That's right. And also... Also, Smithy's joke brand... The, There's a brand of jokes, Smithies, yeah. You yeah, do. because you get like whoopee cushions. And, and turds. Yeah, fake turds, and a fake poo that looks like a cigar. Yeah. You light it and it smells of shit. And your parents go, what are you doing? Like, And, and then the, the man on the front of the Smithies, this is interesting, uh, UK fans, this is one for you. Mm-hmm. The man on the front of the Smithies, it's, it's, it's James Corden, isn't it? Is, it is James Corden, yes. <laughs> it is James, there he is. <laughs> famed from his... Uh, his <laughs> Hot off his latest starring role in Cats, James Corden. I, I, imagine Ricky Gervais, but he never said, Oh, God! That, that's it a, was just the laugh. Just, ah! James Corden, who played Smithy in Gavin and Stacey. He all, did! It's all connected, Kevin. All connected. And that character, 
a phrase we had in Ireland. He had, a, had what we call a bang a shite about him because he was <laughs> smelly, wasn't he? So hateable. He was very smelly. So, yeah, I think he was trying to say smelly, but Miffy, not one I've heard before. No, Niffy, not heard that. Isn't Miffy a little rabbit? Yes, a little rabbit character. Ah, that's nice. <laughs> Moving on. JR here, he's like doing both of his jobs at once and proving that he shouldn't because it one underscores the other. Because he tries to put over the Godwins, mm-hmm. like, you know, for being like, oh, these are old boys from Bitter Arkansas, ain't got no wrestling gear on. But then he's also putting over the offense that they're doing. So we get this magical sentence there. Godwins, they don't wear regular wrestling attire. You know, Sarah Henry, Phineas, they got those old Forsens work boots on. Fujimara armbar there by, uh, <laughs> by Phineas and Godwin. Get the bob drop. Yes. But, Officially, you have named that the bob drop now. Yeah. What is the bob drop, Kevin? The bob drop is when you jump off the second or third rope and you just land on your feet, but you kind of go like you're Mary Poppins. Like, yes. And then you get hit in the face usually. You're, you're pretending that you're going to do a move, but blatantly you're not doing a move, mate. And you're about to sell, but the whole the whole crowd knows that you're not happy about it. Like, you Legit. know, that's pretty much the way it is. You um, get JR talking about the Civil War, explaining yeah. it to the UK fans, what it was all about. What was the Civil War about, Kevin? This was ridiculous, because, you know, this is after we have, like, you know, Slop Drop, we got the half tight to Hawk, so this is all, like, you know, in the... Towards the end of the match, and then we yeah. finally bring up why these guys have got this flag. It goes, if you don't know, the Confederate flag, during the American Civil War, there were two sides. There were the Union soldiers, and they were the Confederate soldiers. And that is the flag of the Confederate Army. Like, any description of that that doesn't include the word slaves, yep. you're not explaining what Legit, that is. you are not. That is literally the most important thing to bring up. <laughs> to to quote about. The Simpsons, just say slavery. <laughs> just say it. Just say it. And then King, immediately afterwards, like, I think Vince is trying to brush away the Civil War chat. Like, we don't need to get into politics here. It's a yeah. UK show. And King goes, well, my family, they fought for the East. To which JR goes, the, the yeast... Were they bakers? Come on now. Come on, Jim. These men just can't help but talk about their silly hats, huh? Get the Doomsday Device and the Legion of Doom win, or according to Mr. Schaefer, the Legion of Doom! After this match, for some reason, the king demands the camera right on him, and he says he's got a bad hair day, and then he gives us another KT, which is a bit of all rat! Okay. But he, like, demands, like, he gets to the camera guy, like, hey, put that camera on me! Oh, look, I got bad hair day going on. Oh, it's so wet here. I got bad hair. Are you ready for a WWE Universe Mode in-ring segment? Uh... Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome injured superstar Ken Shamrock. Boo! For some reason. Uh, Yeah, we hate injured Ken Shamrock. All dressed up and sad. Yeah. A bit disappointing he's got his new music because injured, sad, t-shirt and sweatpants Ken Shamrock coming out to... Boo! Hey! He will not be wrestling tonight. Uh, yeah, he's internally injured and really disturbed about it. Their words, not mine. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, this is Vince McMahon. Of course, Ken Shamrock again being injured, and he is, as we know, ladies and gentlemen, incredibly disturbed about this topsy-turvy situation. Topsy-turvy. A punctured lung is the most topsy-turvy situation. Punctured lung. If your doctor referred to you having a topsy-turvy situation and then they followed up with a punctured lung, 
Like a topsy turvy situation is like if you accidentally were put in the morgue and then it turns out that you just had gas. That's still a bit more than topsy turvy, I'd say, Kevin. It is. Topsy turvy should not involve coughing up blood in any way or form. Well, despite going through all of that, Ken Sharmbuck is notably one thing, and that is less nervous on the microphone and a bit more grounded. He he's himself here. Yeah, I mean he's still kind of boring. I mean he's, he's not, he's he's not, not nervous. He gets the crowd on the sides. Yeah. Because he, he says, he really hammers it home. It's like, I want to wrestle tonight. I can't. They won't let me. You know, he's really hammering that home. Mm-hmm. And the crowd start to cheer. with like, oh, okay, he wants to wrestle here in front of us. But once we use the phrase, much less nervous, we have to bring out the avatar of nervousness. Coming out here now. Whoa! Oh, the Harlem Globetrotters been in here? What are you doing here, man? What? What? Where's the honky tonk man? Why are you talking about the Harlem Globetrotters? Why is Billy. Who's Billy Gunn? Why are you here? And he's like, I think you all remember a few weeks ago when Ken Shamrock, you tried to have a little bit of fun with me. What, yeah, right. March? Back at the start of fucking season four, mate. That was forever ago. Like. Yeah. I uh, do you like that Rockabilly refers to his punctured lung as a little stomach ache. <laughs> I'd love to think that Billy Gunn, like, shoot believes that the lungs are in the stomach. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, this was fucking brilliant. This was Billy Gunn, you know, as much as we make fun of the, the character in the direction or lack thereof. The guy's a stud and he, you point him in a direction, you say go and he can do what you want. There ain't nobody better because he just gets right in Shamrock's face and he's like, I'm going to get your ass right now. You're easy pickings, boy. Mm. Shamrock, the fucking intensity of this yeah two moves mm-hmm. we get a, a drop toe hold drop toe hold which is i gotta say that's the move that i always went to change from default and all the wrestling games because the drop toe hold was such a light move looks so soft usually people stumble they put their hands out he splats into the ground and bounces yeah. and vibrates and he's put into that fucking ankle lock or as rockabilly says that little toe hold gimmick thing <laughs> you try to put me in and he squirms like a fucking big fish on a line. Yep. It was unbelievable. He's screaming and flapping around, tapping as hard as he can. And like. Shamrock is screaming. And I was like, if he repunctures his lung here doing this, he'd be <laughs> gargling this bubbly <sighs> blood. It was amazing. It was incredible. And you know what? If you're going to give us five minutes to get someone over, I'm glad Ken got it because Steve didn't need to be here tonight. No. You know, so true. glad Ken got the bit of a rub here. Backstage, Bret Hart makes a little face. There he is. Hold on a minute, UK player. It's time for a caption contest. Once again, uh, you're in the caption zone with Kevin and Adam. Hey there. Hey, pal. It should be really, hold on a minute, BBC I player. That's, (laughs) That's as UK as it gets. Hold on a minute. I'm gonna book an underwhelming BBC Three comedy special <laughs> yay I'm sorry that's a very specific reference for regional uh, fans only but that's what UK pay-per-views are all about Kevin exactly like. we weren't even brought by beans tonight so I mean what could we do <laughs> hey the Attitude Era podcast caption contest is not brought to you by beans uh, despite constant attempts for that coverage and that blessed sponsorship slot. However, this caption contest is brought to you once again by our good buddies over at Last Match Standing. Adam, we've had these fine gentlemen sponsoring before. Yes, and they got a good response from it. People are really enjoying their podcast. They're getting on great so far with it. We've got a lot of messages from people since the first plug who've all said they've absolutely loved the concept and they've really enjoyed the mm-hmm. show. 
And I mean, when we first plugged it, they'd only just started, and now we're many, many months later, and we're happy to say the last match standing is still going strong. Adam, if you had to choose between The Rock versus Steve Austin and Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25, what would you say is the better match? Hmm. We're talking Rock and Stone Cold at 17, right? Oh no, I'm talking 15. Divorce in the heads, oh, you know. Oh man, well, obviously Undertaker and Shawn Michaels for sure. I, I was just going to say, because I thought the greatest <laughs> battle was in Steve Austin's mind in that particular show. But hey, why don't you join wrestling superfans Spencer, Paul and Landon as they relive, review and rank the 100 greatest wrestling matches of all time on Last Match Standing. Each episode features a deep dive into the story surrounding the match and how it developed, what happens in the ring and the impact the match had in the world of wrestling. Finally, all these matches will go head-to-head -head as the three hosts duke it out to determine where each match ranks on their list of 100 greatest matches of all time. So far, we've got episodes such as Bread and Stone Cold at WrestleMania 13, Gail Kim and Awesome Kong, and the absolute war that was Okada and Omega number 4. Last Match Standing is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your audio. For more information, or you can even submit some match recommendations, visit Last Match Standing on Twitter at LastMatchCast, or send them an old email at lastmatchstanding at gmail.com. Any hardcore recommendations? Anything from the Smackdown crawl that's come out of us recently that maybe. Oh man, you know what? It's not going to be in the top 100 greatest matches of all time, but you got to say Road Dog versus Steve Blackman that we saw recently. If we're doing 100 greatest hardcore matches of all time, that's up there. That's got a feather in its definitely, cap. Definitely. That's all we're saying. So, today's caption with the added rules to the caption contest now, which is mm -hmm. no Helmsleys. I know, which is a shame because there was a cracking Triple H picture from this show. But you let Homer Helmsley join. <laughs> 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 We're allowed one. <laughs> so we're not allowed any Triple H-centric captions anymore. Which is a shame, because I will just say, you know, I was going to say the Helmsley curse be damned, but that's a, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. I will say there was a cracking couple of images of Triple H. We first sent out the first call for this. We're like, oh, look, some good suggestions from people mm. here now. And all, as always, folks, all the suggestions these come on our Twitter and our Facebook. So if you're following us on the socials, AE Podcast on Twitter, Attitude Era Podcast on Facebook. But yeah, the, the, when we watched this show even, right at the start, Triple H coming out, giving the look to the to the uh, hairy beef eater. Yep. How's that not the caption, Adam? Because, and I believe this is the reason why this rule has been instated, because one angry young man was upset with the amount of Triple H voices being heard on the caption contest, and we said, fine then. Fine. That's it then. You won't hear it anymore if you don't like it so much. We're just trying to build up anticipation for the Triple H, you know, a re-emergence. The last know? one's going to be like a collage of like 30 Triple H's together or something. You folks out there, you think this is the first time people have gotten sick of Triple H? <laughs> you think we don't have a plan? You think the game has... The oh, no, oh, no, no, no. No, 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 so, no, 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 no. So we've got a season four stalwart Brett the Hitman Hart here instead, Adam. Right where we paused the episode as action. Yep, there he is. He's leaning on a rail with a Hitman jacket and his WWF title belt. And he's going... Mm. With now, a big, weird smile. Now, that, that's Adam's interpretation of the noise. There are many valid interpretations, and I will say caption and contest entries of... <laughs> and that is a very British noise, from what I'm to, to, to led to be believed. Or also, he could be making the noise... <laughs> 
Like, that's what it also looks like. Is that when a tiny anxious gas is, escapes your body? Like, Yes, exactly. It could be coming out of the mouth. It could be coming out of a different orifice. That's that's Brett's business, mate. Why did Brett make this face? Because he's nervous as fuck. But he was making a normal face. And then, and then Vince was like, hey there, Hitman. Nervous? And he's like, mm. <laughs> I think he is a little nervous. So we'll we, talk about it on the main episode. Yeah, that's true. This isn't a normal Bret Hart we've got here. No, this is not normal, nor is it the backup Bret Hart plan that he had as well. Uh, we got over 250 responses here on the Facebook. Must say, I've really enjoyed now that we've opened it up a little bit more. Uh, we were taking it easy on our very best segment, and now we've yeah. opened it up to uh, to a podcast on the Twitter as well. Yeah, it's good. We get a, a wider berth of responses this way. Yeah, so Adam is taking Twitter. I'm taking Facebook. Starting things off, Kieran Faulkner here, giving us a lovely picture of Nathan Fielder out in the town having the time of my life with the Heart Foundation. They're just out of frame, smiling too. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Bradshaw here on Twitter. Hi, I'm Bret Hart. You might remember me from bitch fests such as none of them ever beat me and why would Triple H be a 98? Now, I don't know that, but I'm assuming that Bret bitched about the rankings in a game, did he? Oh, man. Seriously? I tell you what, I mean, I, I don't want to be the proverbial snake eating its own tail and shit, but... Bret Hart did do a podcast back in the day for a brief spell. Oh. I believe it was with young Blade Hart, and I believe <laughs> the general gist of it was, and I remember this is why Bret stopped doing it, is that he was like, well, I just can't help but bury everyone on it, so Fucking I might hell. as well stop. Because that was around the time we started Haiti Wrestling, and I do remember, because our first pay-per-view we did on Patreon was... Sting and Seth Rollins. Okay. And that's when Brett was coming out with his hot takes. So like, oh, Seth Rollins, he's a, a widowmaker, this guy, you know? Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. You know, I, I give me 10 Goldbergs any day. Put me in the ring with <laughs> Seth Rollins. <laughs> just assume blow my brains. <laughs> I want to point out, I'm not sure if I pointed out enough, but Brett's I just as soon blow my brains outline from uh, well, while we're on the subject, shadows. Liam here on Twitter, wrestle at one night only, I just as soon blow my brains out. I want to point out, because I'm glad Brett did, in his autobiography, he talks about a lot about making of wrestling with shadows, yes. and he specifically mentions saying that, immediately being like, uh-oh, <laughs> that's a bell you can't unring, yep. and then own heart afterwards going up to him saying, Brett, what the fuck, why did you say, that's so fucking stupid, yep. it is just wrestling, and yep. like, Brett writes about how he's really embarrassed that he said that. Well, it is embarrassing. But like, like, he knew as soon as he said it that they were like, like literally the guy's like, yeah! We got it in the can. Like that's the, that's the line that goes in the trailer right there, my boy. The, the director made the reaction that if your sim made movies in The Sims and made a kind of a <laughs> Yahoo dance and loads of like fireworks went off. Lots of green pluses going on. Like. <laughs> we got Charlie Crowley here on Facebook. Lynn, I've pierced my foot on a spine. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. That's uh, that's high end right there. Got some follow-ups. I don't know if you want to go down the partridge hole with me. There's more partridge. Oh, there is. Lynn, I can't drop my belt to Sean in Canada. Some of these people have come as far away as Stoke. <laughs> you like me to defend a title for you? You couldn't defend a, a cat. <laughs> This is great. These are all from the same episode. Pretty much, like. <laughs> Charlie also followed up with Bulldog giving up a lot of Michael energy, generally speaking. Oh, blast. I've actually booked the whole room as the NWO. They didn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> <laughs> Got Cavaliero on Twitter here. 
Brett, upon realizing that Hertfordshire isn't in fact named after him. Oh no! Oh, there's a nice UK reference it's for you. It's one of the shures. It's one of the shures. Sure it is. Got one here from Kyrie Crawford. Brett does his best not to make a sound as he bunkers down the bathroom. Shims rampaging through the remainder of the hotel room. That's gonna be a really real situation for Brett. <laughs> yeah, like, legit. Brett is in the toilet. Just go to bed. <laughs> Come on, Jim. Just go to bed. <laughs> Andrew Rich here. Brett, forty. Male, straight, Canadian, likes calling it the SummerSlam, <laughs> swimming pools, electric chair dummies, dislikes America, Shawn Michaels, old man stink, looking for something long term and serious, like a 20 year contract. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. And Vince is the type of guy who just sees the pic and is like, hubba hubba, and he doesn't read the, <laughs> the fine print. You look just like your photo, pal. <laughs> I didn't care about any of your red flags. <laughs> There's a lot of the people here who went with the route of Brett being pranked, uh, many of these by own, by putting his hand in his jacket that's got super glue in it, which uh, if you're given the jovial nature of own heart in this show, that does explain a lot. It does, it sure does. He's got a prank buff there. Helen Louise, when your wife organizes a romantic photo shoot and you bring your replica WWF championship. <laughs> Oh, mate. That is the face of at least one of us finds this sexy. I would love to do a boudoir shoot with title belts. <laughs> Shawn Michaels has pretty much got the market cornered on yeah, boudoir photo shoots. Uh. TJ Fritz here. When Bret Hart further explores Mr. Burns' house and finds the picture of Shawn Michaels in the bedroom. <laughs> David Lapkoff here. Bret Hart decides he does not like Sour Patch Kids. Declares, some food that was. <laughs> Oh, no. He's got a sour face on him. I would say I'd be Team Brad here. I can't abide the jellies. Yeah, it's not the sourness you don't like. It's the jelliness. It's that texture. A lot of references to Lonesome Dove here, which I'm really happy about. That's not the cowboy show he was in. It's not the set of Lonesome Dove. Yeah. Which is one of those shows that unfortunately got cast in a bad light because they used it during like that things weren't going very well for the Hitman in 1990. Oh. How about this? I'm going to propose it to you now. We do a double bill. Head to goddamn head. The two greatest icons of the 1997 pre-attitude generation. And we do Lonesome Dove going head to head with Shawn Michaels on Baywatch. Yes, I would fucking love that. And I swear to God right now, if Shawn Michaels does not work heel on Baywatch, I will be so fucking disappointed. I've seen him wear a suit with a big cell phone. He's got to be a fucking heel, right? A cell phone at the beach? Maybe he's ordering pizza for the guys. <laughs> Who knows? I hope he just follows in the in the, in the the shoes of the nature boy, as he often does and pays homage. Mm. Flair worked worked Baywatch here. Like, oh, you're you right. Know? He was on it too. Yeah. yeah. He worked that territory for a little bit. Like, you know? <laughs> Michael Scully here. You're one of a kind, Brett. And nobody deserves this jacket more than you. It's, it's the red fire jacket from Simpson. <laughs> Alternative lapels could be, uh, you can't do the sharpshooter. You screwed yourself. <laughs> oh, God. Kofi made this in low here. Don't you get it, Patriot? It's over. You lose. Now, if you excuse me, all this talk has made me hungry. <laughs> Brett, Brett proceeds to eat a lemon. <laughs> Harry Green, when you're left alone in a room with just your partner's dad and you just have that little awkward look with each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's so relatable. Double points if there's a high-end drama that neither you quite follow on the telly at the same time. Uh. Gummy Davidson here on Twitter. The boy toy main eventing over me and lackluster fish and chips for dinner. Frustrated isn't the goddamn word for it. This is bullshit. Okay, I was going to say right now, I've only been 
to the to the Brum Town one time, you know. Mm. I, I I head to Brum. I went to Birmingham. Yeah, I rolled up in Brum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. And, and I did have fish and chips, and it was fine. So I just don't yeah. want anyone to think that we're having a pop at the the, the fish and chips. Like. Every town's got a bad chippy. Like yeah. it's not a Birmingham problem. This like. country was built on bad chippies yeah. and, a, and a few decent ones as well. Yeah. Uh, fun fact: the one time I was in Birmingham was for the Cat Fancy show where I met a cast that its owner believed was the reincarnation of Princess Diana. So just a little uh, through fare here from uh, Billy's little tidbits that he dropped in our previous pay-per-views. <laughs> that was a very Billy sentence that you just said. It is. <laughs> well, he's here with us, isn't he? He's here in spirit. I even did the little Billy points, didn't I? <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm wearing my pyjamas. That could be like, uh, <laughs> yeah. bring it out a little bit. Ross Briffish. When he gives you this look, 10 minutes into Montreal and chill. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Montreal and chill sounds horrible. <laughs> Lizzie here on Twitter. I never smile if I can help it. Showing one's teeth is a submission signal in primates. When someone smiles at me, all I see is a chimpanzee begging for its life. <laughs> Chris Martin. First one to blink has to drop the tile in Montreal and go. <laughs> Steve Cheney with the deep dive. We had a little reference to this earlier. The screaming sheet called the homeowners association on me again. <laughs> but he he's less like Brett. He's more like, ooh, this place has got old man. He's, he's a little bit more macho, man. Yeah, I can hear that. Do you know the story about that? Why his voice is different? No. Because he, when he went to do the lines, it was just like, oh, just do a wrestler. You're going to do a wrestler. Oh. And then after the fact, they were like, yeah, we're going to do Hitman. Just, you know, so he was deliberately putting on a bit of a... Oh, no way. He yeah. wasn't being himself. Because it really doesn't sound like Brett. No, like, it doesn't. Oh, maybe that's why Meltzer and Alvarez got so confused about the Mr. Burns question they got that one time. Kev here on Twitter. As you can see, I've created a lemon ball so sour it can only be safely contained in a magnetic field. The candy known as 77X42. Where the hell is the candy, Brett? <laughs> <laughs> I think WWA Brett is the Brett that needs to be isolated in a magnetic chamber. Oh, like, Australian, I'm here to talk about 9-11, that, That's Brett the Hart. sourest flavor yeah, of bread there super is. super sour. He's much milder, like, I'm glad for it now. <laughs> I don't know why this was really mean to me, but Gavin Baxter, come on, Brett. Give us a smile. Where's that smile? <laughs> I don't want to look at the little birdie. <laughs> Benjamin Egan here. When you've been to three different banks, but Andrew McManus's check keeps bouncing. <laughs> you, you can't go to the bank. You got to go to the biker bar. To yeah, do you got to go in cash, mate, in a duffel bag. You got to go to the fence. He'll get you sorted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Andy Mitchell, with a clever Photoshop here, has added a speech bubble saying, I stink, with the caption, Hey, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> there's, there's James here, Captain Insano72 on Twitter saying, Okay, Brett, smile. You know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my, my entry into this is Jim Ross saying, Brett, we're alive, pal. <laughs> Liam Fischivalry Divine here with what I can only assume is reference to our King of the Hill chat that we had about the Heart Foundation recently. Mm. Yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's the face right there. Yep. Well, thanks everyone for taking part in the caption contest. Over 500 entries across all platforms. 
Mamma Mia. And hey, if you are on the socials, at AE Podcast for Twitter, suggestions for upcoming episodes, always appreciated if there's any pay-per-views on the timeline or even upcoming episodes of Tough Enough you like the look of. And as always, if you are interested in sponsoring the caption contest, getting a shout out for your project, your website, your book, your podcast, your YouTube series, whatever it is, chat with us over on patreon.com slash podcast or for any and all inquiries, attitudeerapodcast at gmail.com. Hey, Adam, you want to go back up the Curry Mile down to Birmingham? No, I don't, Kevin. I genuinely hope that is where that thing is. Off we go. <laughs> okay, I had previously written down this was a good promo because Brett was like kind of aware of the fact that they had set it up that he should be cheered, but he wasn't really being cheered. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you know, I like to think that, you know, all the things I've done you know, over the past few, you know, the, the UK fans, they see through the bullshit, you know, they don't... They don't just watch that, you know, they, they know it's American TV, that's all they see, and they know that that's not who the real me is, and I've got a lot of great fans around the world here in the UK, and they, they know who I'm all about, they know the real me, and he's really hoping that you're going to connect the dots and see, be like, I'm the guy who put over the British Bulldog, I'm, yeah. I'm good, like, you Please. know. And the crowd are more booing than they are cheering. Yes, it is definitely leaning more towards the crowd don't like Brett. And Vince McMahon kind of ruins the atmosphere here because Vince, Vince, like, he makes Brett make that little face immediately by just kind of going, hey, headman. And then at the end where he goes, Brett, Brett, and he interrupts Brett's flow and Brett looks really awkward. He goes, Brett, does it matter if they like you? And then Brett just goes, um, yeah, no, it does matter to me actually if they do like me. Yeah, it does. And that's, that's that end promo. Fucking awkward. Jesus. Needling him, huh? Would you say you need to be liked, Brett? Would you say that? Would you say that now? Brett, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Mm. Or the next 20 years? Mm. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I don't know. There was something dodgy about that. You know, rub me the wrong way. I was excited for this, though. Big Van Vader. The Rocket Own Heart. Oh, baby! And he walks right into the camera and goes, ha, 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 it's Owen time. Yes. yes. He's in a great, playful mood tonight. Like Owen Hart pretty much here knowing it's the one night of the year other than if they go to Canada where he's going to get cheered. He takes an hour. He high-fives every fucking yeah. fan in the audience. And you know what actually did make me a little sad? I don't mean to bring it down, but like, you rarely get to see Owen smiles and thumbs. Like he's literally doing the thumbs up with the big smile yeah. in front of all these adoring crowds. I remember I recognised it from. It's from all the tribute packages from Raw's own. Oh, really? And from Attitude. They used that exact moment. They like. did, because Foley mentioned that when they did the tribute videos, it was quite difficult at the time. He mentioned in his book that because Owen had spent so much time, particularly recently, being the heel, mm. that a lot of Owen's biggest moments are like him being horrible about Brett or him being horrible about Steve Austin. So he said they're quite limited in what they could use. And they did use a lot of like this and they used a bit yeah. of the Canadian Stampede as well. So yeah, the love here, seeing the love for Owen, like pure unadulterated. It's not like, hey, we're booing you because we know you're a good heel. It's just pure love, unadulterated, babyface, own heart. Mm-hmm. He's the rocket again tonight. It's 1994 type. You know, I, I love it. I'm all for it. We're getting something different. And he even tussles a boy's hair and yeah. then turns to the crowd and goes, ha 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 fucking love seeing I love it he waves the flag right in front of Vince I'm ready for some antics here tonight yep Owen is like maximum silliness yeah he is in such a silly mood it's brilliant Vader coming out he's expecting to be cheered but it actually works really well that you got this guy who's kind of expecting to be cheered and you got Owen who's just like 
unequivocally beloved. Yeah. Like, it makes Vader seem a bit mean that he's, like, kind of taken own spotlight almost. Mm. Because the start of this match is just Vader shoving down own, going, like, just loads of house show power spots and owns facials. He's, oh, I, you know, I know it's complete, I'm at odds because he's not being his character at all. Like, mm. at all, at all, at all. But it's great to see own to show you what he can do. His babyface offense, the sympathy, his selling. Yeah. Unbelievable. He makes Vader seem like a ton of bricks. Honestly, yeah. Vader looks like a brick wall in this match. This is one of my favorite examples, this match, of like the small technical guy trying to take down the huge heavy powerhouse. Like Owen does... I mean, Vader does great as well, but Owen's selling of Vader's strength is so fucking good. And on commentary, they're like, Owen Hart cannot match Vader for, for strength at all. And also, Owen Hart... Can't, can't rely on his speed because Vader is one of the fastest super heavyweights of all time. Yeah. So it's like he has to beat him on technique. Yes. And you got like Vader going for the big power bomb and then Owen going, woo! And doing the slow hurricane <laughs> Rana. Yeah, he actually does it though. When they do the standard, you know, run into Vader and he goes, blue, you know, the brick wall spot. Yes. The smack, the noise. Yeah. Owens goes down like he's running, like he's a car crash. That's like. what I mean. It's the whiplash that Owen is able to do. There's a bit where, like, and it's such a basic spot. Vader whips Owen into the turnbuckles, and it's, all you do is you bounce off the turnbuckle and fall to the floor. But the speed and the intensity that Owen does it with, it looks like a sports car crashing into a wall. Like, it is just BAM! And I love that he keeps going for the sharpshooter over and over again, but Vader keeps muscling out of it. So Owen shows that he can just do it, but he's not there yet. There's two spots. There's Owen trying to put the sharpshooter in, and there's Owen trying to power slam Vader, and he keeps going for it repeatedly, and the crowd's like, bless him, it's not going to happen to Vader. The crucifix pin gets reversed by Vader, who just splats him. And then we get one of the stupidest lines of commentary tonight. To beat Vader, you gotta go full Monty. What, you have to take all your clothes off, Jerry? The only way he'll respect you. (laughs) JR chats about the media not wanting to speak to Vader. Yeah. And I like this. This is JR trying to build a little bit of character here, do a bit of world, and Vince McMahon shuts that right down. Because JR's like, we all know what happened in Kuwait, and... You may have noticed, you know, that Vader was not speaking to any of the members of the British media that have assembled here tonight. They are very apprehensive to conduct any interviews with Big Van Vader. That's cool. And then Vincent Mann goes, well, actually, in fairness, now that more evidence has come to light, I think that what went happened in Kuwait with Mr. Vader... There was a lot more to that story, and Mr. Vader was not entirely at fault. So Vince has obviously changed his mind. That's why we don't get the Kuwaiti bit in his yes. time trying anymore. So I mean, <laughs> Richard I... and Judy with Vader. I'm just saying, is it fake though, Van? <laughs> Kevin is leaning back with his legs folded, and then right Vader now. goes over and he's like, "That's fucking fake." And Judy's just like Undertaker, like completely silent, eyes closed. Well, I was for the book club on her knee, like you know. <laughs> But that's so annoying that now Vince has finally changed his tune and he's like, yeah, we shouldn't be so hard on Vader for that incident. It wasn't his fault. And the time that he says that is when JR is actually like, we found a great way to embellish his character. No, there will be no embellishing here tonight. (sighs) Owen keeps getting teases of a comeback, but he's too weak. He can't slam Vader. And then Vince just decides to bury Vader in the most resolutely way possible. Mm. This was well out of left field in the middle of the fucking match where Vader was doing well. And he literally just talks about the quality of the match. Vince never does this. Me and you were so giddy. Like, this match is so fabulous. And we're both sat there like, these two guys are both killing it. They're at the top of their game. This is great to see Vader 
pull off a performance yes, like this. Yes, it's finally. nice to see a Vader match where we're not going, oh, it would have been better if they'd done this. I know it's literally like, this is perfect. It's Vader being Vader, it's great. Vince McMahon, I thought Owen would give Vader a tremendous matchup and uh, frankly, that has not happened. What does that even mean? What are you talking about? Wait till your fucking debrief afterwards. Legit. Are you not impressed? I mean, first of all, you're not impressed by this incredible match. Secondly, if you're not impressed, fucking keep it to yourself. Put them over. Yeah, you kind of he, he is making money for you there, Vince. Legit. Making it a bit tough for him. Got Enzigiri by own, and then the sharpshooter, which was amazing. He got it. Really think he's going to put him away, but Vader just gets to the ropes. And own manages to get the scoop slam. He does the slam. Proper, like, Cesaro pauses for the moment. Yes, look at how strong I am. Take a second just to let it sink in. Like. And he doesn't know that own heart was backstage laughing his fucking head off that the big spot he has for his match is that he's going to fucking slam <laughs> Vader. slam. You know, it's just <laughs> such a fucking own thing to do. So the Vader bomb gets reversed with the knees and then Vince McMahon with the shovel once again, bearing some more. Shades of the moment we just saw from the Patriots Flash Funk match. Fucking, okay, per yeah. Perhaps they were watching and they saw that maneuver backstage. Oh my God, Vince. Shut up. Owen with a bit of fire in the rally at the end. Invader catches Owen right midair. Catches him out of nowhere. Hits him with a big power slam. Vader wins. And like the thing I love most about Vader is that when he's had a match that's like good for his soul mm. and he's right in the camera, he's like, what fucking time is it? Yeah, legit. This like felt like it added five years to his career. Like Vic Van Vader needed to have the pat on the back and say, you're still fucking Vader. That's it. You compare his reaction at the end of this match to him losing a match in 98 where he yeah. just walks off like, oh, big fat piece of shit. Yeah, wrestlers are emotional beings and own heart managed to work this way where he had his cake and he had it. He got to be silly, he got to yep. do whatever the fuck he wanted, he got to be the character he wanted, and he made Vader look like a trillion dollars in the meanwhile. Go out of your way to see this match. Absolutely. Watch this incredible match. It's one of my favourite Owen matches ever, and it's the best Vader match I've ever seen, I'd Absolutely. Say. Get a recap of the SummerSlam gob incident. That's another king thing for you there. Ugh. Gob's a horrible word for spit. Yeah, it is. I like... We I got a golly was one they used to use in Ireland. Yeah, we didn't have that where I was growing yeah. up. I don't like gob in terms of spit, but I love gob as in like, shut your gob, like that kind of, as your mouth. Oh, I like trap for mouth. Shut your trap. Shut your dirty shut trap. Shut your cake hole. <laughs> I will say gob, like anytime anyone's used gob, I've viewed gob to be what we have here in this gob recap, which is the semi-solid gelatinous... Oh, um, it's not just spit it's a yeah. bit of phlegm in there as well like maybe, when you make your like... scrambled eggs just before you take them off the heat and you yep. get the blast of, of steam and then the, the whites start to jellyfy mm -hmm. that's the gob that's right gob there. that is uh, which Sean did on purpose apparently mm -hmm. <laughs> Undertaker is in a cold dark zone Bret Hart you are a demon what oh, alright okay what are you then <laughs> coming up next WWF Championship on the line Bret the Hitman Hart Versus The Undertaker, it's a rematch from SummerSlam, and there ain't no special referee this time. Undertaker comes across as a very huge man in this. I mean, I don't know why it's because everyone's like a little bit lower down. I think that's what it is. It's the, the crowd are recessed into the ground a little bit. Yeah, and you know what? Bret and Taker, I think that's one of those ones that people, people sleep on a little bit, because they only had the kind of the one big match, which really is about Shawn Michaels' involvement. It is, yeah. But these guys, like, it's it's that special God-tier stuff where every strike gets a big reaction. Mm. You know, it's like there's bombs going off at the start. People are oohing and on just for lefts and rights. And people are 
passionate about both of these guys individually. And there's not really anyone in the crowd who's kind of like, I love Brett and I love and I love Undertaker. You've got the creatures of the night people, and then you got the guys in the leather jackets and the kids who yeah. love Brett. Like so, there is a really strong, constant contingent of Brett fans. Like of Hitman. <laughs> That's it. Like, yeah, so I, I feel he, like there is maybe he does have his detractors, but he does have his fans. Here. I feel like there's three times as many Undertaker fans than there are Brett fans, but they are all rabid, whichever side they're on. It works really well. Brett, right at the beginning here, exposes the buckle, which would be a very different sentence if this was a line dancing podcast. <laughs> he's going out there. He's doing a do si do double tap thumbing of the buckle in the first set. Oh, Billy Ray Cyrus over here. Am I right? Uh, so yeah, uh, Brett, <laughs> Brett exposed the buckle. This is Chekhov's turnbuckle cover here. Yes. You remove this, I'm expecting it all match. It's going to be, yeah, the, the longer you leave it, the more likely it is it's going to be the finish. Like, uh, And I will say as well, I, that as a result of this, like, uh, it happens in the room all the time when I watch it. When someone walks into the room and they don't close the door behind them, uh, I spent the whole match thinking about a draft. Literally. Tron Legacy, I couldn't enjoy any of that movie. because the door of the he, arcade. He left the arcade door open for the whole fucking film. Like. It lights all day like a Christmas tree. Every Tom Dick and Ne'er Do Well will be in there now. Playing all the games. No wonder the arcade business went out of business. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the atmosphere here that they do manage to maintain throughout, but we do not get a spot involving that turnbuckle. No, no the turnbuckle does not come back into play. And unfortunately, they leave the turnbuckle pad on the floor in the ring for the entire fucking match. Because it's not a ringside person to take it away. Very distracting. Tell you, you, this is this is where people like Mr. Schaefer are dropping the ball now. I wasn't sure what Undertaker's motives were at the start of this match, but luckily Vince clarified that for me quite quickly, where he says, "The Undertaker has come here tonight to extract the Hitman's soul." A pound of flesh, they keep saying about it, like. Yeah, I thought you wanted the belt, mate. Yeah, I mean it'd be nicer to have the belt, I would imagine. And what are you gonna do with Brett's flesh? It's all there. No. It just look like the, the fiend's belt, mate. Yeah. Imagine oh. that, but it's Brett's surly looking face instead. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. So, there is someone in the crowd who I can best describe as a boisterous Egypt. Fuck this guy. Who, not since your man from the fucking Green Mile tried to ruin the main event of WrestleMania 2000, have we had someone so laser focused on inserting himself into everything mm -hmm. he's like literally grabbing the fucking cameraman he grabs the undertaker's wrist and starts fucking yep. shaking it and taker's like fucking get off me motherfucker yeah. and he's like leaning over the barricade like reaching as far as he can and as they okay, work further down the barricade and then you can see the cameraman at the back and the guy is literally right for the camera going like what, you think this is going to broadcast you for two hours? Yeah, no, great, we, that's we, what we all came here for. We have to pay for the show, mate. <laughs> Fucking on. kick him out. He's old enough to know better. We do a great little kind of bit here, which I love, where you're combining Brett's style with Taker's style very, very effortlessly, where Undertaker does the big setup, and then Brett does like uh, a quick slam and a leg drop onto him, yes. you know? Love that. And only like when The Rock is the only person I can think of who actually interacted with the sit-up. With the like, sit-up, yeah. Know? So we have the description now of this late stretch of the match as finesse versus fury, mm. where Taker is so like stalking around the wing and just trying to get him, and we have Brett just kind of picking his moments. The second where he can counter a move or turn it into something else, the crowd is getting more pro Taker as the match goes on, and Vince McMahon oddly decides to describe Undertaker's legs as pins. Ooh, sexy Mark Calloway. Yeah, I know, right? My legs go from here. All the way to <laughs> I have the firmest breasts in the World Wrestling Aww, Federation. Oh, no. 
We get the figure four on the post where Brett high fives a fan as well, just to prove that it is a split audience. Yeah, sure it is. And for some reason, Jerry Lawler accidentally gets his mer- words mixed up and says, "Do the Brett man." <laughs> He didn't say do the Brett man. Oh, he says does the Brett man. That was it. <laughs> Everybody in Calgary do the Brett man. All the folks at the Stampede do the Brett man. Everybody <laughs> renegotiating their contract do the Brett man. And if you're a stinking sniveling hyena, do the Brett man. <laughs> Ain't got no time for hosers. You see Brett on Raw, he's like, there's a word we have for people like you, Steve. It's called a hoser. Hoser. And he's like, I've been waiting a long time to say that. Like, ooh. Hoser. Hoser is a Canadian ne'er-do-well. Oh. I know. Right. I know. Hoser. I like that. I want to use hoser. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, if it was one of King's things, then maybe I'd understand it a bit better. Like, hoser reminds me of hosen, which is the German word for trousers. Trousers, yeah. With, like, two hoses that you put your legs into, like. Hoser dozer is a trouser can, like. What? Ca- can of trousers. Can of trousers. That reminds me of I, Silent Hill 2. There's a can that you open up with a can opener. It's full of uh, light trousers? bulbs. Oh, light bulbs. Light bulbs, yeah. What oh, a my- wacky game. I know, I thought they were eggs first. <laughs> Can of eggs. Ah, uh, no, I don't know. Better open up a couple of few cans of eggs with the boys. <laughs> I got a pet peeve here from Bret Hart. He puts Undertaker the figure four. Lovely put over, you know, the seven pressure points, the figure four. That's Jim mm. Ross. He used that line back in WCW when he was doing Flair Steamboat. So I like that he brings it up again here. We do the turnover, pressures reversed on Bret. Pet peeve is when you're selling a submission hold and you start tapping. Oh yeah, for fuck's sake! You're allowed. No. Okay, I'll give you. You're allowed to slam your hand once or twice on the mat, like. But mm. but when you're literally like, you're just tapping out, mate. You know what though? And people forget this: the tap out being used as like a mainstream thing in wrestling, often attributed to Taz. Really? Because Taz did the Katahajime, where you couldn't verbally say, you couldn't oh, say "I quit." It. You go back and you watch Brett versus Ric Flair say when Brett won the title in '92. Rick doesn't tap; he just nods, or the yeah. referee goes down. The referee says it's over. The concept of tapping is more of a 90s thing that yeah. ECW took and Taz took from UFC because mm-hmm. people were using things like the katahajime, the chokes where you had to just tap to say, let me go because yeah. I can't verbally submit. So I think we're dealing with here submission wrestling, which is not caught up 100% with the times. It's a pre-tap out universe here. It is, really. And I don't know now necessarily if, if Taz was the first to do it, but I will say... First and popularizing are very different things. Yes, that's so, true. And I will say he definitely popularized this. Brett catches the big leg drop from the Undertaker into the sharpshooter from the ground. Like, that's cool. That's so cool. He's like DDP would doing the move from anywhere, but it's a fucking complicated submission. Yeah, legit. Taker powers out of the sharpshooter. They put it over. It's like the only other time that happened was at like SummerSlam. Yeah. Or, so that's pretty cool. It reminds me of all the underwhelming moments in SmackDown games where you would just not make them tap out, but your submission hold would stop. It just stops. And right. then Taz go, well, I don't know, maybe he lost his grip or something. <laughs> Fuck's sake. And then as we're in the middle of this Undertaker comeback, crowd's there, 100%. It's coming together beautiful. Jerry Lawler. This is the real full Monty McMahon! What are you talking about? I don't know. You don't know what the full Monty is. I, I think he doesn't like. No, he literally doesn't. I mean, he's attacking this with the fury and passion that can only come from a post-industrial Sheffield. Yeah, that's true. I'll never forgive him for closing down the cutlery works. He's a right Robert Carlyle, Bret Hart is. He is, right? isn't he? He'd be the last of the Hart Foundation to strip, wouldn't they, like? <laughs> <laughs> but Neidhart and Pillman, they'd be like the edgy lads. Like, go on, lads, we got the idea. We're going to take it off. Like, 
Blue bell now taken out by Bret Hart. Yeah, the nice red blue bell. Cute little thing. The referee confiscates it, but it's just an excuse for Bret to start chop blocking Taker. And then Brett gets in the cameraman's face and ends up leg dropping him, I think, on purpose. Yes. It was weird. It looked rough. See Brett's body covered in bruises. Yeah, he has got welts all over him. Like I always am really kind of intrigued by Brett's ring attire because he's someone who's... If you've seen him Brett in Wrestling with Shadows, the man's a fucking tank. He is. He's like built of stone. He's unbelievable. When you like, see him completely topless in like yeah. shorts or whatever, he's fucking huge. Like in terms of size definition, he's like one of like the, the you know, Vince McMahon put him on top comfortably for a reason. He's got the body. Yep. And he hides it away in that singlet. But also the fact as well that you don't see that Brett is covered in bruises. Like when mm. they're really up close, you don't realise with the black singlet that Brett's got abrasions, cuts, everything. Yeah. It's a physical fucking match with Undertaker. And they're giving it everything. We get the tombstone attempt, but Brett gets into the ropes like a fucking spider monkey. Love it. And this ends up turning into a hangman spot. And this was beautiful because this really felt like it was a mistake. And it was like, shit, shit, Brett's caught in the ropes. You know, Jerry Briscoe's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, Owen's out there. Kyoto is like, you know, stop, stop, stop. They ring the bell immediately because, like, Brett's in there. And it's like, this time McFoley loses an ear type of thing. Yeah. They don't say that, but... But you know that it's a dangerous spot. And, like, like Brett's there. Like, his fingers are barely covering his, you know, his face. He's mm. trying to keep breathing. It is really tense. It looks scary. So, as terms of a finish, in terms of, like, doing something that looked legitimately dangerous, and probably was legitimately dangerous, and something that's like, oh, shit, no, 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 that didn't happen, end the match. Mm. That's a great out for The Undertaker and Brett. Because mm. I was like, you ain't beating Taker here now, are you? No, surely not. And you're not fucking beating Brett as well. Surely now. not. So, this is actually an excellent non-finish. Yeah. I'll say, I mean, I like seeing Jerry Briscoe get choke slammed, though. That's me. And yeah. Mike Kyoto eating the choke slam. He's all he's been getting a fucking good payday tonight, Kyoto, taking the big bumps. Jerry Briscoe taking the choke slam. Can we just take a moment to talk about him nearly dying for our sins? He like nearly goes full 180 and lands yeah. on the top of his Whoa! head. Jesus, Jerry. I thought I knew how to take the choke slam, Mr. McMahon, but nope. I accidentally did a fucking moonsault yeah, slam. Honestly, what the fuck, dude? That was our kind of semi-main event. Yeah, you say I mean it's an excellent finish on paper, I guess, like in terms of the logic and how you get out of you can't have either of these guys losing it makes sense like if they're gonna fuck you at least they're doing it like with some consideration here yeah like. but I don't really like any finish where it's sort of like oh no there's a situation here ah what do we do what do we do and they spend like 40 seconds before the referee's like ah fuck it let's call it off and then you ring the bell like mm. I would rather that because normally you've seen guys get pulled out of that spot before where the referee goes over and he's like separates the ropes and you do manage to get them out like, we needed a moment of the referee saying we can't get them out or something like something, that something I think or Brett to, I guess Brett was selling it great because I mean, he, he but, really was but, yeah it looked real Brett won't make a peep in wrestling you no. know that's my main bugbear I've come around so much on Brad Hart in recent years I feel like on many levels, I appreciate Bret Hart in a way I never ever did before, and I will I will fight to the death to defend so much of his kind of of his standing. Mm. But the man needs to make some fucking noise when he wrestles. Yeah. I hate that. It's Too not just quiet. him. It, it's very much a of the time thing. Mm. Like somehow making noise was like against TV's wishes. Makes you look weak. Like I, I will say, I didn't really like that match. Really? Yeah. I think the problem I had with it is that you've got the small technical guy taking on the big like strong demonic monster. And we just had Owen Hart and Vader do that exact style. That's true. It was not as good. So well. Yeah. And this was a big letdown by contrast, I feel. Odd pacing that we had a bunch of like real slow non-matches with, you know, heel versus heel and face versus face. And then we've had like now three matches in a row that really could have been sprinkled around the night a little bit more. Honestly, yeah. Give, give us own like, you know, earlier in the night. Put this in the middle. Like, you know, 
they really are hammering the point home that Brett's not the main event, folks. Yeah, I know. This fucking championship, which is the kiss of death in terms of the main event spot. You get this belt and all of a sudden you're semi-main the whole time. Seriously, this is fucking CM Punk 2011 kind of stuff right here. Like, he is not main eventing with he this title. He doesn't get pissy about it in the book at all. You Does think he not? He, you think he would, like, but in the book he's just kind of like, he's viewing that, you know, once he's in that match, that match is of X amount of importance. But, like, bad blood, he's in a throwaway flag tag yeah legit what the fuck like? not even close to being a worthwhile match and I just can't help but see Brett here and have one eye on the clock and kind of think he ain't gonna be here in a few months no you know and like, to the end I'm really like I'm, I feel like oh shit Brett was here so much and then he's gone like completely it's gonna be a gonna be a weird show without Brett to hit yeah. that hard on it folks it's gonna be a big big gap in the market cut back to Shawn Michaels we've seen the World Wrestling Federation champion and now you get the main event. The headliner himself, the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels, is going to walk out there tonight and become the first Grand Slam winner in the World Wrestling Federation. The first man to hold the WWF title, the Intercontinental title, the WWF tag titles, and tonight I will walk out with the European title, thus. Can you top this, Shawn Michaels? Can I top this? Yeah. My middle name is Top This. I got news for you. You can send out anybody you want, but you haven't seen the showstopper until the Heartbreak Kid enters the ring. And you're about to get it live and in living color, HB Kid is on his way lots of booze semi buries the belt but starts talking about grand slam yeah and grand slam is something i think has only come up the night before and that i really genuinely believe that this grand slam thing sean has convinced vince or the writers or whoever that he needs this mm. he needs this thing to say that he's he's the greatest of all time or something like that his character needs this embellishment to be a grand slam winner yes and he needs it right here tonight in fucking birmingham england say like. nothing of the fact that he was already technically a grand slam winner before the european belt was introduced yep. he's just another grand slam he wants to have to this title so i don't know there's something very grim about this vince mcmahon again interrupts he's like sean michaels whoa can you top this of course I'm going to top it, McMahon. It's Bret Hart wrestling in the semi-main event. Oh. Fucking hate this guy. It's dark sided. Like, as he's talking in this promo, the fucking color fades from the screen. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally does. like Pleasantville. I'm here to take all your dreams and all your happiness. And it's going right inside Shawn Michaels' mind. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Fucking hell. Shawn Michaels is full on evil here tonight. He is. He is horrid. I expect him. I've made some friends. Let me show you to the IRA. Yeah. Jesus. Come out, she heart foundation. I was expecting him to come out with a burning union jack. He was disrespecting the company so much. I mean, I would say second only to the US flag. I think the, the UK flag is up there in the sensitivity Yes, you know, nationalist people getting very upset over how it's used. You like, wouldn't be having JBL and Kurt Angle dropping consecutive elbow drops on your flag like they no, did legit. in that house show in Dublin back the in the day. The beefeaters would come down the ramp and they would put a stop to it. Like, they say, you can't have any more 
beef now because of this. Kevin. Not a scratch. Kevin. My kids, no! Shawn Michaels coming out here. Crotch chops the meat eaters. Yep. He's walking down the ramp. And what proceeds over the next three to four minutes is, mm. without question, the most unpleasant fan interaction I think I've ever seen in WWF. So uncomfortable, this. Everything about this. And I, everyone stepped over lines here. Yes, it's not just Sean. No. It's the fans as well. Sean, like... it's the fans. Where the fuck is your Jim Dodson equivalent? Like, seriously. seriously there should be someone here. Michaels is coming out. And yes, he's being healed. Yes, he's in the fans' faces. But the problem is, you got a fan base that's maybe around like 30 to 25% of it are diehard female Shawn Michaels devotees mm. who have got... The signs, the hat, they got the classic 95 Shawn Michaels, you know, they, they got the, the flippy sunglasses yeah. and the big earrings. He's still the Shawn Michaels of old in their mind, and they're there for him and they want to fuck it. They love him. He's yep. a Beatles. Then you got the little kids who are like, Shawn Michaels, he's a bit of it. Like, he's the fucking worst, you know, he's shit. And those kids are very fucking ornery, and you got a lot of adults who are basically egging it all on. Yep. So Michaels goes up to a kid who gets the British Bulldog LJN figure. And he starts poking him with it. Yep, rubbing it in Sean's face real fucking hard. I've got those LGN figures. They're dense. They're dense. Yeah, they're hard toys. Like, and I will say, the ones with the hands with the individually molded fingers. Mm -hmm. Sharp. Sharp, man. And he's right there and he's scratching it all down Michael's face. And Michael's is literally like, get that fucking thing away from me. Yeah. So he grabs the toy and straight away, fans latch onto him like it's fucking Day of the Dead. Yeah. They're grabbing at him, they're yanking at him. The boy is literally like, what the fuck is it? Back. I should be allowed to tear you open with it like yeah. mate he's not going to do colour in this match like with your bu bulldog figure <laughs> this kid wants to do a fucking mass transit job over uh. here it seems like and Michaels just takes the bulldog and he drops it and he fucking stomps on it oh no he doesn't oh no what happens he puts it down his trousers Kevin oh my he God. opens his tights up and he drops the bulldog in there like. that makes it all the worse then when Mr. Man goes and the bulldog goes down oh yeah. And then there is a woman in the audience. I'm not sure if she is the boy's mom or sister or friend or just someone who's pissed off. They yank Sean back and she slaps him. Yep. And she's and got fury in her eyes. There like. is like, yeah, there's like that you've crossed the line from fun wrestling into this. Like, I've always wanted to have my sign ripped up by a heel. Yeah. Legit. You know, That's I, what you want. That's the kind of interaction you like. Enough. I don't yeah. have to take it home now. Thank you. <laughs> you know, great. Like, you know. But this was just... There was bad vibes in the air. And straight away when this happened, I, I understood that. It's like, right, you're trying to get heel heat, but you're messing with an audience that is not necessarily used to having their fucking hearts broken. No, here. it's very real emotion here tonight. Like, you, can, you can get worked up and get upset about things, but then the kind of emotions that they've been toying with all evening here is very real. Like, yeah. This match has been built up all night as like, this is a real match. You're not just rooting for Davey. You're rooting for like what's right and like what's good in the world like. yeah and this is kind of a real precursor to the attitude era because you think in 1992 like it's, it's SummerSlam it's a fucking celebration of life like it's the most like positive show ever it mostly yeah. takes place in blistering sunshine it feels like you know whereas this it's like man this is a different company this is nasty this like. is nasty yeah and the fact that Sean doesn't know the line and that the fans don't know the line mm -hmm. and that no one in security thought to come between this nope. 
that's like mm, it's worrying it is it's it's a different type of thing to like when austin was in the face of the fans in canada yes yeah it is it genuinely is because even that still felt more lighthearted and more like suspension of disbelief we're we're going along with the fun this doesn't feel like anyone's going along with the fun this feels real no so Shawn michaels once again uh, another looped entrance for michaels he takes four plus minutes to come out and then we get the big hometown hero we get the big homecoming here now for Davy Boy Smith and his sister who's coming out with him and she is fucking terrified. Yep, she looks really nervous. She looks like... I, I don't want to say this, but she does look frail. Like, she's just coming out, like, hanging on to Davy. Oh, like, she dudes. looks terrified of being there. Like, like she's uh, just come off a battle with bone that's cancer. That's the thing. Like, and I think there is a, a particular romanticism often when... Because I, so I, I had two uncles who had cancer mm. and they had it at the same time. One passed away and one made it through. The one who made it through, you know, it's not as if it was like beating the chest. Cancer survivor! Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I, like, like. I get it's very empowering, particularly with WWE and the Susan G. Komen. They like to very much go for like, that. you're a fucking warrior if you've been through that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Absolutely. If you, that's, you are if you've been through that. But like, there also should be dispensation for the fact. And I think... You know, not everyone wants to be a fuck. You know, I've seen so many interviews of people who are cancer survivors, and they're like, you know, the people are saying you're so strong, you're a fucking warrior. Like, you know, sometimes I don't want to be a warrior. Sometimes I'm just sick and it yeah. sucks, and I just need, yeah. I need to recover and do that on my own time. And it just kind of felt a bit much where, like, this woman who clearly was not here to fucking want to be the center of attention, no. like the fireworks that come for Bulldog's entrance, they spook him and her yeah. so much. He's holding her hand so fucking tight, and it's just like, yeah, you know what? You've even got to mention her, fine, mention her. Just let her be in the audience. Just let yes. her. Yes. The, there's such a fucking spotlight on her. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she's coming out to this, like, really sour environment where Michaels has just really made the yep. scene like, this is not a fucking Wembley fun time. No. This is this is a nasty thing. It's going to get personal. It's going to involve all those family members over there who yep. get shots of immediately. And yes, Diana's really great at doing the concerned face and all that. And she'd be more than happy, the former Miss Calgary, to be involved in this. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we say this thing about Tracy. No. Like, Tracy looks like she has been shrunken by the, the reaction that it just makes her want to escape. You know? Yeah, it feels like she's only doing this because she was asked to do it. Have you ever seen anyone less eager to go to the ring or like more like, no, fuck this, I'm not doing this. I really don't want to be here. This this is inappropriate. Not not in this context, because like when even then when you see someone that's uncomfortable doesn't necessarily want to be there, usually they're in the crowd. They're there. Mm. They're not fucking carted out walking down the ramp and being like, Look everyone, here they are. The entrance, like, like Yeah, the it's too much. Fireworks. The fireworks spooking Davy was like such a fucking bad omen for this. Mm-hmm. It really made me feel like he was nervous and that this was really too much pressure. Unified chance in the crowd of Bulldog. Yes. Doesn't matter what's happened so far here, the crowd is still as hot, if not hotter than they were previously. They want to see this. And I think, much like with Brett and Taker, there's the contingent of loyalists, but this is all Bulldog now, I think, the crowd. I really feel like it is. We got a great sign in the front row, very dominating. Sporty Spice for life, L-Y-F-E. Uh, of course, the Spice Girls, as we all know, were the NWO. Uh, you know, they, they were. Well, no, the NWO did a really harsh parody of them, though, didn't they? Like, you know, <laughs> and yet Hogan pretend to be posh Spice. This is Armando Gucci Pucci Smooshy. And of course, then as well, you know, the NWO very disrespectful. I thought when Kevin Nash decided to go and do that like parody of Jerry Halliwell after she retired, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very disrespectful, like, you know. 
Jerry Hallow was one of the great workhorses of the Spice Girls, like, you know. And then Bischoff said you could roll her in shit and she wouldn't draw a fly. Like, it was so disrespectful, like, to the Spice Girls. Uh, does that make Bischoff Richard E. Grant? <laughs> was he their manager in the movie? I, I think he was he's, he's some sort of a heel, like. Yeah, he was He was definitely in it. Eric because Bischoff, he yeah. went to the premiere and then he tweeted that video of himself afterwards, like, it's everything you could have wanted it to be. Yeah. I shouted, I cried, I sang along with all the hits. I fist pumped in the air. <laughs> I've just come from the recording of NWO sold out 1998. It is absolutely confusing. <laughs> I didn't know whether to cheer or to boo. Everyone was heel. It's everything you thought an NWO pay-per-view would be. You simply have to come along with me in a garbage truck to watch it. It's Richard E. Grant all breathless and excited. And he goes, I've just come. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> oh boy. I needed that after all that fucking miserable bulldog yeah. chat. Like, oh, There's more to come, don't worry. I know. Davey overpowers HBK at every step. Oh, I, I will say, to Sean's credit, oh, he, yeah. is, he is making Davey look like a mean powerhouse. Like, Sean is bouncing all over the place for him. It's quite reminiscent, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it's quite reminiscent of SummerSlam 05. It is. It genuinely is. In that he is giving over-the-top power cells to some of these manoeuvres. And the difference is Bulldog, power, 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 constant talk of power. With Hogan, it just seemed silly because Hogan is an old an man. old man who just like br- brushes him and he goes bouncing. No, this in this context, it actually works. That kind of selling. Yeah, and like it's again, they're doing like Michaels is trying to be cagey and beating him to the punch, but again, they're putting over the speed of Davy Boy as well. And he's doing these crazy power spots mm-hmm. and these spots where it's like, wow, Davy Boy leapfrogging. Like, yeah, you know, legit. And uh, seeing this here in '97 is really shocking. And then seeing this here, having watched all the Stampede stuff, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, goddamn right, Bulldog can do fucking that shit he, he was the dynamite kids tag partner yeah. you know they did this stuff in tandem he is very much a guy who could bust out a cartwheel like in his heyday yeah so i'm glad to see this is a total showcase for the british bulldog and michaels keeps leaving keeps you know taking a powder yeah you know, working up the crowds he's a master at this yeah he is good at being that hateable does it negate what happens later the fact that Michaels is so willing to put over Bulldog because he will probably make the argument as the clique often do mm. that yeah we might have been going over but we were making these guys look like a million dollars making the fans want to see us get B like you know the NWO made that argument as well yeah to me it's not enough just because he's good at it and he's willing to do it to Bulldog here doesn't make it everything okay that they do with the booking here wins and losses counting like that's just a thing in wrestling and wrestlers can always make arguments one way or the other and I think the reality of it is this whether wins or losses count, wins or losses will never mean the same thing to fans as they do to the wrestlers themselves mm, or to the true. bookers. We view them differently. We process them differently. We remember them or choose not to remember them very differently. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go as far to say that they don't matter whatsoever because you've seen people who get squashed constantly for years and they give them one or two little moments and all of a sudden they're the fucking superstar yeah. of the universe. But I do think it's worth bearing that in mind. Michaels with a very ropey spit in this main event gives us our gloop of the night. Spits on the mat though, in fairness, when the mat's already so fucking dirty, you may as well like like arrested on a fucking cinema floor this. It's disgusting. Uh, Jesus. Almost smells as much as piss as well. Bulldog with some leapfrogs. The second one though, Michaels avoids and hits him with an eye poke. And then we get the crucifix spot. The pin by Michaels gets reversed into a big sit-out slam by the Bulldog and Vince McMahon again. 
calls out the fucking repeated yep. spot. Yep, he calls it out there and then, oh, they must have watched that match earlier in the night. What is this? Keep like? it in your pants, Vince. You can criticise them all you like later on. Like, And you know what? Say nothing of the fact that this is, like, the most apropos moment ever. Coming around to the Bulldog, who, like, you know, at the start of this series, I was like, I'm going to come around to, like, this character. This I was pretty sure Savio was going to be someone I was going to like. Mm. Pretty sure I was going to come around on Brett a lot more than I had been. I already was coming around on Brett. Hadn't anticipated coming around to the Bulldog as much as I have. I mm-hmm. had to say I've come around on him almost as much, if not more, than any of those other competitors. Yeah. Uh, Brian Christopher, I'll mention there as well. Yeah. Uh, the Mexican surfboard stretch, Adam. The fuck? Legit. Like, it was literally like, he may as well look in the camera and be like, oh, you see, Kevin, I told you I was good all along. I'm like, going to do the surfboard whether you want me to or not. And I fucking do, and he did, and it's great. It's picture perfect. He, he fucking got it. And then... JR now, once the crowd are really get into this, he brings up, he's like, British Bulldog, everybody knows 1992, he beat Brett the Hitman hard at SummerSlam, but three months later, he lost that belt to a young upstart, the very same Shawn Michaels. So I they're like making that. over, oh shit, there is history Connections, here. yeah. Rick Rude comes out and he interferes. Here comes Rick Rude, the insurance man. And again, he interferes. And again. And then that one fan who's ruining everything, he makes his presence known. Fuck off, mate. Uh, we got a sleeper and Earl Hebner. Folks, try and figure this one out with me. Sometimes Earl gets a little bit full and we need to vent off the gas a little bit. So he's doing the thing where he's lifting up Davy's arm and it goes down. One. Does it again. Two. Goes for the third one. Davy gets his fist and he starts... Excuse me, Earl? Will you calm down? At the age of 15 years of age, a man who was a... Earl Hebner is a noted Ric Flair enthusiast. Uh-huh. Uh, the story about Jay Lethal talking about being in TNA. Incredible. Where he's like, you know, Ric Flair would just be like, Lethal, you son of a bitch. Give it to him. <laughs> and when he finally got to work with Flair, mm. Hebner was the one who told him. And Lethal was like, yeah. And the Earl got really excited because he just came into the locker room and he was like, woo. We're like dancing, dancing around, around like <laughs> strutting. Guess who you're facing tonight, daddy. And it's just something about Earl where he has this like, he seems like the most fucking low energy guy. And mm. he is the most fucking weird. Like whatever your opinions on him, the man's fucking weird, right? Yeah, he is. We can all agree on that. The bill of goods is not give away what this guy actually is. There's, there's a lot going on underneath the surface. Rick Rude interferes again. Uh, Jim Ross brings up the Dynamite Kid. Oh. Uh, which was a bit of an uh, interesting one to mention. Never really gets brought up. I mean, there's reasons he doesn't get brought up. Like, mm. Dynamite Kid is in, like, pretty bad shape. And I know that he was kind of trying to poison the well a little bit with some pretty bitter on-the-nose interviews about, like, mm. stuff at the time. And... I do remember in Brett's book him talking about him going, because he lived nearby, he lived in Wigan, going to the council estate where Dynamite was living at the time. Right. And like Dynamite was like pretty much in a wheelchair at this point. And he said it was, just, it was so miserable. There was like a burnt out car in the front. And Jesus. And he's like, what happened? And he's like, oh, N-words did it. Like, you know, he's just... Jesus. He was consumed with hate. Yeah. And it's so fucking sad because... I mean, have you seen much of Dynamite Kids? Bits and pieces, very little. Like, an absolute, like, phenom, like, is the only word to describe him, just in terms of, like, 
when he came around. Well, I know he was groundbreaking. Ground, like. He broke ground in so many ways. Mm. Like, you know, even like the concept of breaking ground seems to be something that he coined. It, it mm. really can't be overstated, like, how important he was. And if there's no Dynamite Kid, there's no Bret Hart, there's no Own Hart, like, none of these yeah. guys ever would have gotten a look in. So I kind of thought bringing him up here with what's about to happen, knowing that if he's watching this, he's probably wishing ill will on everyone involved. Mm. It was a bit, meh. Yeah. I didn't like that at all. Davy Boy is caught in a kind of like a head scissors here and then Michaels has got him in there and we just keep hearing him go no 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 and I was like is Shawn Michaels knee like a microphone or something it's so loud no no, no. <laughs> both men are down Triple H and China come out okay there is an immense mood here as the entire NEC arena realises what yeah. happens you, it's, it's palpable Everyone is so fucking annoyed. Yep. The small but constant and increasing we want Brett chants that now start peppering the arena. Well, that's it. Whether you like the Hart Foundation or not, they are aligned with Bulldogs. So if Shawn Michaels has got all of his cronies here, then where's Bulldogs, guys? I mean, you want to get real heat on Brett, you'd have to spit the Hart Foundation. You could have had him go like, well, they didn't cheer me earlier, so why did I go yeah. out and help? You know, but it just, he did come out later, him and Owen, but it made him look really shit. Yeah. Like, Hart Foundation, how many times does that happen, though? Anytime they turn face or in their place where it's like a face reaction and they're totally fucking like idiots yeah. they don't help each other when they get outnumbered they just sit in the back Legit. and there's no explanation so yeah this is a real house show Adam we get Triple H and Shawn Michaels versus Brett and the Bulldog right here <laughs> right now for the Irish Whip Wrestling Tag Team Championships <laughs> first man to go through a board is the winner uh, you get double top rope elbows by Shawn Michaels to Bulldog yeah sweet chin music into the corners tease yeah that's so weird why oh, are you I, doing it there I don't know I like the idea of that though, like an ultimate like you just stood there and you go boom like, yeah. you call it like the halluva kick yeah exactly like that fucking love that Rude again interferes for the fifth time he blocks the power slam Davy Boy manages to overcome the odds on the outside he fights off Triple H he gets Michaels up for the power slam gonna do the running power slam out on the apron he slips and his leg falls into the kind of bit between the crowd and the sunken bit of the arena. Yes, because the ringside is elevated and his leg slips down between the guardrail down into the, the lower decreased seating bit there, which looked so real. Me yeah. and you were both like, Jesus Christ, when it happened. But definitely a planned spot. Yeah, it was kind of dodgy though, wasn't it? Because like, this had come just after the hangman spot where we were like, we have to check online to see how... Yeah, is this real? That... But it's pretty cool that we had two really realistic... Like, both both of those moments made us gasp. Yeah, they were very well executed. Made you think, oh shit, something has actually gone wrong here. And it was onto Davy's knee-braced yes, knee. Yes, it was the bad leg. Which is the bad leg, the mm. real bad leg. So, I'm thinking, okay, is the story here now that Bulldog, this happens. <sighs> a double count out. Mm. Something. God, I wish. Honestly, whatever was going to happen here... I was still of the opinion that we're going to at least have Davy get his heat back. And yep, some, yes, something. absolutely. I will say because we obviously were working towards Shawn Michaels winning here. Yeah, That's we know that. what's happening. We've, we've we've already recorded Bad Blood. We know he's the European champion. Yes, and I knew that it was going to be a sad ending with Bulldog losing to Shawn. Not I prepared. I didn't know how he was going to lose to Shawn though. I was not prepared for how sad this was getting. No, or how quickly? Jesus Christ! So Bulldog catches his leg in there. Not that he was pushed in there. It's literally Bulldog picks him up, couldn't see. He has made a mistake in kayfabe yep. here, and then he gets sweet chin music. And then they slam his leg into the barricade, like real vicious, like they use that kind of bit of a gap. Yeah. It looks so scary. They're slamming it over and back. It's you know totally safe, just making a big clatter, but really scary looking. 
Then he gets the pedigree outside as yep. well. And JR just pleading, what more can happen to the Bulldog? Seriously, what more can happen? I'll tell you what can happen. Shawn Michaels can rip off his knee brace and start taunting his family and yep. like basically saying, I'll show you what a real man's like, Diana. You're my little lovebird. <laughs> Throws the knee brace at Diana into the crowd. Like, uh, Get the figure four with assists from China, Triple H. Yeah, and they're Rick pulling Rude. his hands to make it more leverage. Like. Rude comes in to deck him again. Yep. He's in the hold around four or five minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a good long pronounced like, oh, look at Davey. He'll never say quit. Like... And this is one of the hardest spots to do in wrestling, and the one that I think has only ever worked like maybe once or twice. Hmm. The pass out from pain spot. Well, there, there are certain moves that you can definitely do that in and make it look obvious that's what happened. But in a figure four, when you're lying on your back anyway, it's really hard to get across what's going on. Yeah, like, Michaels does the figure four, yeah, now and then the inverted figure four, or whatever. But it's not like it's his. He's put it's not his away. killer move. No, it's like, this ain't the calf crusher type of a thing. No. Where it's like my secondary finisher, which is actually more dangerous for yeah. special circumstances. Now it's very much that bulldog is just overwhelmed. And when you do the pass out from the pain thing, there's a sweet spot. Much like with building up a hot tag. Mm -hmm. You get it at the, the peak, it's a beautiful thing. You yeah. know, Austin was got at the peak, a peak of emotion of where people were just starting to realise that maybe he can't do it. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't, and it devastates you. Here, we're long since past the point of if he could do it, or if he could come back. You can literally hear the crowd get quieter, and quieter, and quieter. And I point out to you and go, look, some people are leaving. The British Bulldog, ladies and gentlemen, has passed out from the pain. The new European champion is Shawn Michaels. Yep. That's how it happens. And then it's fucking misery. Yeah, it is pure misery. I thought like, Jesus Christ, that is as dark as it gets. That's horrible. No, Shawn gets on the mic straight uh, yeah, away. We're only a few months removed from the death of Princess Diana, but mm. let's give the English people another whirl at some mass display of unimaginable public grief. Yeah, Mike is going, hey, you limey dickheads, I yep. just beat your top guy. And also, I'm going to have sex with his wife now. <laughs> oh, God. Keep getting shots of the family looking really sad and upset. The they, trash. They put Bulldog back in the figure four again. Yeah. You got Triple H standing over him going, scream for your country, Bulldog. Scream for your country. Scream. And they are berating the heart, saying, like, yep. we're the heart foundation. These guys are meant to be tough. The family, more trash, more beat down. Diana comes in to try and stop Sean and China manhandles her. Yep. And then Owen and Brett finally. finally come in. Like, and it's just, they, they run them off. There's no, not a scant scrap of heat. Do they get Not back? a little bit. You, what it ends with is fucking Sean, Triple H and China going up the ramp together like, <laughs> And they're really... Really rubbing it in. like Really rubbing it in. Rubbing it in in the way that very much so. We had a lot of fans who were saying, I was expecting my my repeat show. Some mm. people even far as to say that they've said they'll be coming back. Oh, yeah. And we'll get our we'll get our rematch. You know? According to The Observer, that was the plan. That was apparently they were going to do a show in Manchester next time and well, have it as the big, big comeback. You know what? If that was the plan, that's the best. That, that would have been great. Because this is like as heat as you can get. Mm. It's this... Without that follow-up, mm -hmm. you know? This is all spice and there's no fucking subtlety to it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You can do this, this kind of like... This is very, very much reminds me of ECW, the chaos of the end. of It's like, no, not this. The worst outcome. No, but yeah. then it's like, don't worry, because this feeling is what's going to drive our next show or our yep. next series of events. This feeling is just there 
And ultimately, the only purpose it served was to antagonise the English fans. Literally. Which the Irish man in the was like, way! For fuck's sake. But I can't help but have a little bit of empathy towards... You you don't get a lot of wrestling in '97. The mm-hmm. big show comes around, and this is what they give. This is you. what they give us. And you even have Vince McMahon going, "I can't believe how much Shawn Michaels is rubbing it in." Like they are, and Bulldog is just like sat there, defeated. And Jim Ross is trying his hardest. He's like, "Bulldog never quit. The Bulldog will never quit." And it, it's great and all, yeah. But we don't get our follow up now. Do we not get the follow up because eh, fuck Bulldog. He's mm. not good enough. Or is the reality is that we don't get the follow-up because the entire Hart Foundation has gone after Survivor Series. Well, that's it. If we think about, let's say, okay, so they are planning on doing a Manchester show where they can give Bulldog the heat back. Well, well Mayhem yeah. in Manchester comes up in April and... Shit! By the time that show comes around, this entire thing is gone. Like, it's all falling apart. Because you like, wouldn't be coming back before then because usually back in the day when they would go to the big tour, you have at least six months to leave At least, it. yeah. I mean, they still do that more or less yes. here. Like, if they're going to come back to Manchester or whatever. So Mayhem in Manchester Chester would have been the next opportunity to have done this. Yeah, because like. we're at what? We're October coming up. Yeah, it's late September. Late September, early October. Yeah. So yeah, we won't be coming back before then, before no, WrestleMania. Definitely we would imagine. Not. And the post WrestleMania t- England tour mm-hmm. does become something that they then use all throughout the Attitude Era. So yeah, I think that is worth bearing in mind because as much as a royal fuck you, Britain fans, mm-hmm. this seems. This is one of those cases of like, oh, in retrospect, we were saying fuck you, Britain fans. Yeah. In the same way that Taz being hit in the head by Tommy Dreamer with a share doesn't necessarily speak very highly of me trying to help that brand. Yeah. This does not necessarily speak very highly of me trying to help this country. Legit. And you taking UK wrestlers away from their homegrown shows and not letting them wrestle if there's an NXT show on within like 10 years of it. Mm-hmm. That's not really speaking very highly of you trying to help that brand, quite frankly. So this is a, a running thing with Vince. I don't think he gave it enough thought, Adam. No, and even giving them the benefit of the doubt, let's say that like perfectly innocently the plan is that we're only doing this and we're only being so nasty because in a few months we're going to come back to manchester and we're going to put it right we're yeah. going to have bulldog destroy Shawn michaels and it'll be the happy ending even with all that benefit of the doubt if that's truly what we're headed towards i still don't like them using bulldog sister's no. illness for this no. purpose this that should is, have been too nasty and too real it like. should have been locked in for like you know this thing like if you're using that we had to have the resolution immediately the happy ending you yeah. have to have the happy if ending. you're gonna go this nasty ending to then get the heat back later on don't include any of his real life personal stuff whatsoever then it legitimately starts as a fairy tale and ends as like the bleakest nightmare yeah this shows so you how beautiful like wrestling can be when it honors its past and how it like looks with a respectful eye to what's come before it and what that means and then it also shows you like how small and petty and shitty it can be oh now, so miserable the real dark speculation on this is again we're being benefit of the doubt is that their plan the only reason we're doing so nasty here is that the plan is to eventually later down the road we'll make it right but allegedly the week before this entire event was going off they were still advertising shows like months ahead where bulldog would be defending his european title further down the line michael's definitely put the kibosh on bulldog winning a last minute decision and jim Cornette, in his 97 kayfabe commentaries he goes out of his way to call sean out for this saying that it's such a dickhead move that sean purely made this call because he knew that he could get away with throwing his toys out of the pram and he wanted to be a Grand Slam champion. Well, like, like, who who do you blame in that case? Do you blame Michaels or do you blame the company 
that so readily gave in to these childish oh, fucking I, I blame wins. the company. They made, they made Michaels into the monster that he was by he letting him in, have his way. Entirely like. their own doing. Yes. You know, and Vince McMahon, the book stops with him. And Vince McMahon had the power to say, you know what, let's not make this one night only the most miserable fucking experience ever. And yep. he elected not to do that. So, yeah. I will say the only other plan that seems is that Triple H and Shawn Michaels and China are planning some sort of a faction because right at the end of the pay-per-view, Triple H looks right in the camera, does this symbol with the three fingers and the closed-off index finger and thumb, mm-hmm. i.e. the Dudley Boys, i.e. hustle, loyalty, and respect, yep. i.e. originally the triple threat from ECW. And Triple H does the triple threat symbol, looks right into the camera, goes, this right here, this is the triple threat Fuck it. I thought he said this is the main event. Yeah, it's like. ours now. <laughs> ours. I will say we've got what, one little message here from another fan that went to this show. What was the car park like after that? I lads? shudder to think. Some but dirty t-shirts being sold. Pell316 here on Twitter says, I went with my 10-year-old sister as yeah. she was a massive British Bulldog fan. Oh. To this day, she still thinks that he won via DQ and the fans rioted because HBK took the belt when he didn't rightfully win it. I hope she doesn't listen to this or I will have some explaining to do. That's a great lie. Yeah, just keep, let her believe that for the rest of her life. Like. Yeah, that's a great, great lie. I, I, if you ever going to take a kid to a wrestling show, have a few of those in the back pocket yeah, just, in, just case. in case. So bad vibes all around. And I will say, under the microscope of 2020, there are extemporaneous factors. And I think with a lot of the stuff from 97, the blame lying on the performers themselves I think very often is misplaced mm-hmm. and I think we'll hit on that again when it gets onto the screw job in Montreal yeah. as bad as Sean was and as bad as Brett was in both their very own very different ways this is Vince McMahon being semi-asleep at the wheel, yep. but also being very, very aware of what the fuck it is he's doing. I mean, people always gone about WCW letting the inmates run the asylum, and it really feels like Sean and Brett are the ones calling the shots around here, and I, Vince is just letting them do it. Vince like. is lets the in, these two in particular inmates think they're running the asylum, but mm. Vince knows exactly what the fuck he's doing, and they don't get much more Machiavellian than trying to get to someone with a 20-year contract than messing with their brother-in-law and his fucking yeah. family and all that shit, because... I don't care what you say, and this could be a very tinfoil hat thing. There's no way that that is not at least a part of the consideration in at here. At least as well. a factor. Like we didn't talk about Brett in that main event, but this main event, if Bret Hart was not a non-factor and it was just the British Bulldog and he was doing his career in the WWF, this has got Brett all over it in terms mm. of it's coloring Sean and it's coloring Vince and it's probably coloring the Bulldog a little bit in terms yeah. of what's went down. It's a fucking bad vibe, folks. But I will say One Night Only has got some oddly compelling wrestling on it. It was actually a pretty decent show. One of the better UK ones. One of the better ones. It's just a shame that it ends with that absolute doomsday nightmare scenario. That is one of the saddest things I've seen in wrestling. Oh, genuinely. I actually had a knot in my stomach. I felt sick watching it. It was so upsetting. And it's one of the things as well where it's it's not like it's because it was just a straight up tragedy in terms of like someone got hurt or someone got injured because those times are always difficult to watch in wrestling or someone's involved who's went on to do some very regrettable things yes this was just straight up no this is as designed we yep. are telling you a story with our bodies that is the most miserable it's fucking mean thing. it's mean it's fucking nasty this ending I, and you know what i get it you yeah. know i get it yeah yeah you're not, you're not actually a brit so you can just look from the outside you know, and speculate. i get it yeah. you know i get it guys you know so uh you know uh Oh, it's very hard being English, though, isn't it? So much tragedy you've had to deal with. Like, <laughs> oh, ah, ah, and the sympathy is gone. Ah. Like. 
Death sympathy with the gunship going up a Connell Street all bridge. Right, huh? All right. Now, go on right. now. I wasn't there. <laughs> you I weren't? Had, I had nothing to do with that. Thank you very much. Oh, what did you think of this episode? And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, make sure you leave us an old rating or review. Do you ever hear anyone who's after a little bit of a podcast recommendation in their life? Send them our way. Season 1, all of the original run of the Attitude Era. Season 2, The Rock's Return. Season 3, The Invasion. And currently, Season 4, The Prologue, as well as that, a whole smorgasbord of bonus episodes, side content, and you can also as well on our main feed get some examples of our Patreon-exclusive premium content. Got a couple episodes of Smackdown Crawl on there, and you can also check out the entirety of Journey into Darkness book report, yeah. The Rock Says book report, yeah. and the five and a half hour hardcore truth book report. Oh baby. If you like what you hear, then make sure you check out Patreon for the rest of those bibliotheques. Just a $5 backing gets you access to all of those. There's over 55 episodes of the Smackdown Crawl, whole bunch of bibliotheques, and as well as that, you get access to our video episodes, a full one available to watch for free. Photo Slam, search for that on YouTube and will be one of the first things that pops up. And you're talking feature length. That's the short, that one's only 25, it's the shortest episode. That first one was quite short by contrast, yeah. What, 90 minutes average yeah, on some of these? We've just released now Billy and me on our WWE adventure looking at some Wii motion control wrestling games. Part duh! We've just released part two, which is an hour and a half long. It's available hey. now on the Patreon feed. You can see a little preview of that over on facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast where you can find tons of clips of classic episodes, current episodes and little bits and pieces of previews from our Patreon content. And hey, if you want to do style and profile wearing a shirt from your favorite audio files, the site for you is teespring.com forward slash AE podcast. A variety of designs and styles available in all different shapes and sizes and colors, sexes, materials, all available from teespring.com forward slash AE podcast. Shipping worldwide. Well, until next time when we're going to bubble on through that bad blood. Oh, yes. I, I fucking deserve my boy Kane to be here after this miserable night. Someone's looking forward to a journey into darkness. Yeah. Oh, baby. Get your slow chemicals ready and have some Ben and Jerry's to hand. <laughs> It'll be bad blood coming to you next. Until then, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And me, Adam. And we'll catch you next time on the Attitude Era Podcast. Enjoyed that, Kevin, when you hear it back later.